Welcome to Talking in Stations. I am Madderall, a news editor for TMC, now Imperium.news. Talking in Stations is a show about EVE Online. We talk about the news and the topics that come up for all the players involved. And tonight we have a show about a topic we don't usually hit, which is going to be mining and harvesting and all the things that follow. Um, so for today's show, we have uh, Ashtarathi and Sullen, and so we'll just uh, introduce some of the... And we also have a bunch of miners that are going to talk to us, and I don't mean small people or young people. I mean people who actually understand what it's like to do heavy-duty harvesting and have for a long time. Um, but let's introduce our panel first, and we'll start with Ashtarathi. Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I'm Ashtarathi, and I am now the CEO of Aderon Robotics. That's right. Whoa. It's official. I am now actually in charge, at least until Marcel gets back and calls a vote to give him back CEO ship because I don't have any to share. Ah, that's great because now, because uh, I think I listed you as CEO and you said, uh uh uh, I'm the commander. But that's great. right. I've been acting commander for about the last four to six months. Um, but now, I because we have pretty big plans for November, uh, Aderon Robotics is going to be the premier place for Galente uh, Alpha clones to seek content. And uh, we just felt that having a non-absentee CEO is a really important part of that. So we corrected that finally. Well, congratulations. Awesome. All right. And uh, on the CSM, we have Sullen. All right. I'm Sullen Desmus. I'm uh, part of the CSM 11, also a member of the Bastion. So. I would also like to introduce some of the people who understand um, the local changes that we're going to talk about tonight. Start with Axe. So uh, I'm Axe. I'm from Rona Corporation, uh, also uh, part of the Methodical Alliance, uh, originally a beta player, uh, a lot of experience doing mining, etc. Awesome. Uh, and Arid? Oh, I'm Arid Reed. I'm member of Brothers of Tangra and Anolius Curious. This is my corporation. I'm a director and a longtime miner and a beta tester. And uh, lastly, we have Jonathan Rotnik. Well, you got the name, Jonathan uh, Rotnik, JR, and I'm with Malleus Glossors as well, uh, out, out in the, the drone lands with uh, Brothers of Tangra. Yeah, we'll call you JR. Thanks. All right. <laughs> All right, thanks, um, Axe, Arid, and Jonathan for joining us, and uh, also Sullen uh, for filling in for Dirk uh, and Ash. So let's get on with the show. get to Rorkel, there's a bunch of stuff that's happened in EVE, um, the first of which and probably the most important that dropped was something again from CCP. It's another, um, a little more information on Alpha clones. Ashtaroth, you know what that's about? Yeah, well, we've been getting a lot more information now that the CSM minutes are out. Like, as predicted, the CSM minutes being released kind of opened people up to be able to talk about a lot more. And one of the things that we got was our third and final blog for the clone states in EVE November uh, expansion, which is, uh, if you remember, Alpha and Omega clones, the Alpha is the free-to-play version of the game, yada, yada, yada. I think we all know where we're at by then. <clears throat> we did find a couple of new things out. Uh, we did find out a couple of new things in this, uh, new, in this blog uh, where a lot of things have been kind of 
hummed and hawed about in previous discussions, like the 07 show, we we get specific confirmation that simultaneous logins for alphas will not be allowed. Alphas will be treated in the same way that um, trial accounts are now. So if you have, if when you go to click on an alpha clone, if you do not, if you're already logged into Eve on any other character, Omega or Alpha, it just won't let you pick that character, which means you won't be able to log in more than one Alpha. You won't be able to log in Alphas with Omegas. And circumventing that is breach of the EULA. Now, one of the interesting questions that comes from that is it specifically says bypassing these restrictions will also be a breach of the EULA. Um, that seems to suggest that even if you use multiple computers, that would still be considered a problem, but obviously that would be significantly more difficult for them to track. Uh, the other thing that they talk about is uh, the, the high set ganking. Specifically, they, I feel like they're holding it as a threat that they can lock the, secure, the, the safety systems of alpha clones, but it looks like they're not going to actually be locking it for release. They're saying, we're gonna give them the benefit of the doubt, and if it ends up being a problem, we know that we can just bust in and lock it real quick and be done with it. Um, and then there was a couple of other questions about what to happen when things are lapsed, but not really. Uh, oh yeah, you can keep your ownership of, of planetary interaction colonies. That's actually a pretty interesting and not insignificant piece, especially for people who are in wormholers. Uh, there is also some minor changes to skills. The biggest change would be uh, they're adding Infomore Psychology 1, but they're changing Intosis links to be able to be uh, only used for Infomore Psychology 2. That way, the Alpha clones can play with a Jump clone, but not use Intosis links. Also, they're, they're raising drone skills to five for across all of the races, whereas before it was only going to be for Galente and, Min and Amar. Uh, they're adding gas harvesting for all of those people who want to huff in wormholes. Uh, and also, they're actually reducing the power of uh, electronic warfare for Alpha clones. For some reason, they were able to use ECM-2. Now they can't. The other big one that was kind of odd is that there's going to be a small manufacturing tax. So it's going to be more expensive for Alpha clones to produce industry jobs than for normal people, um, or for Omega clones, I should say. Uh, and they can't fuel star bases. Uh, that was another interesting That's rule that interesting. they... Or restriction that they put on. Uh, but finally, you also cannot do skill extraction. Now, we already kind of suspected because the 5 million skill point thing, um, but now they've straight up said no extraction no matter what as long as you're an alpha clone. I think that pretty much summarizes all of the big touching points into why. Yeah, thanks. I, I, some of those are interesting. I think not being able to refuel a, a base, uh, I guess that would make it too easy for people. I don't know. Uh, there's actually a specific reason for oh, that, actually. Yeah, because I can give a little insight on that. <laughs> um, so the problem with that is that even with the restriction of having only one account logged in at once, the problem if you allow alpha clones to do that is that every major entity would essentially just create an army of alphas that they would literally log off at every single pause they had, and they would literally be able to label them or have a database, whatever, you know, to keep track of which pause they were at. So the second that pause is under attack, bam, you just log in your guy and you can on the fly alter the strong in bay to whatever the heck you want it to be.
And that was the main reason why it was like, I can't allow this to stay because this is just going to, I mean, people, are, I mean, we're Eve players. Come on. Like, yeah. we're going to do that. Like people, when once it gets out, you create a waterfall effect that everyone's going to start doing that. And that was the big reason. The other thing is because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, alpha clones, there's really little to no reason why an alpha would ever really need to be fueling a star base, especially since they're going to be getting rid of them. Well, it depends on how you look at an alpha. I mean, if you're saying, yeah, it's a new player, sure, he doesn't really belong in that kind of role. But if alphas are also, you know, returning players and have a limited amount of time, they can do stuff offline. It seems like that might be a natural fit. Like, I can contribute, but only when I can get on and I can do this little task, that sort of thing. But right. But it was one of those things where it's like the benefit of it far outweighs the negative of yeah. it because nobody wants to have just alphas logged off at every single pause being able to alter what the reinforced timers are on the fly for what they want well that would this be actually... gained, no doubt by the way i want to invite axe and arid and jonathan to participate if they have any things they want to say but go ahead ash i was just going to say that this is actually something that we were i was just talking about with someone i want to say julianus but i'm not sure in uh, no it was um anyway uh one of the concerns that we have in the war zone is that it's just going to be too terribly easy to have enough alphas to, be able to log out in any given system. And so then you can just have eyes to just kind of pop open wherever you want within the war zone. If you have a limited confined space of only, you know, a hundred some odd systems, it is not unreasonable to have a pilot per system. And you just name your characters, the name of the system and the, you know, some random number, and you've just you've got instant intel anywhere you need it, which is extremely powerful. So I think that a lot of these concerns that you're seeing here, including including multi the the ability to log them in all over the place, like logging in with an Omega, it isn't just about multiboxing. There is this kind of hyper intelligence that can come out of it. And the other problem is, uh, if you allow it to happen, if it can be done and the most extreme people do do it, then it will be considered a necessary requirement, right? Like, you mean you don't have a clone in every system? Yeah, and that was, like, one of the big things. I mean, I even straight up told them, if you do not restrict people from logging into an alpha, you will have literally created a meta that every single person in EVE... I mean, there's almost no gameplay in the game that would not benefit from just a free alpha. So you will just create a meta that every single person, you have your main and you have your alpha. And that was something they did not want to do. And they even list that in the dev blog. Yeah. We, uh, Aaron and I actually would have been on Sissy uh, working up an Atron fit for our scores of alphas that we were going to put out there, just exactly how you guys described. And we we're going to put them, basically going to create uh, door chimes out of them. I was going to make an auto. I was going to put a very near the gate with a zoomed in on the gate, maybe uh, two 2,000 kilometers off and just moving away. And we, we came up with a fit that Eric, who's got pretty advanced scanning skills, he couldn't scan the Atron down to warp to it, even though he could see it. So, and that was with a low skilled character and, and your, your, uh, your cash outlay was like uh, 1.2 to 1.5 million ISK to have that sitting there. So, you know, we would have done exactly that. Absolutely, it's an arms race. Anytime you give people the, a system that can be gamed, they will game it, absolutely. And even with the restrictions they put on, they, they are absolutely going to find ways around it. People are gonna use multiple IPs, they're gonna have use different computers to get around the, the multiple login restrictions and as far as the you know the high sec restrictions honestly i think that ccp is crazy if they don't think people are going to abuse the hell out of that in high sec you're going to have day one you're going to have tons of alphas 
training up to go out and do mass ganking. I mean, the code guy is going to do it for sure. All of the high set gankers are going to do it. It's unquestionable. Well, I, do you well, think I that mean, the theory is, is that you still need a person per ship, right? So as long as you can, as long as you can pull those together, then you should be fine. If you're multiboxing in any way, then you're breaching EULA. So, yeah, uh, I mean, like one of the things about it is that CCP's goal with this is they don't they they have to in place restrictions on it so that you know veterans will not take advantage of it. But they wanted to make it so that it was flexible enough that a new player is not going to join the game and feel like there's literally avenues and game styles in the game that they are just straight up told no you can't i mean like the current setup that they have a new player joining as an alpha could essentially go anywhere they can go to null sec they can go to low sec they can you know stay in high sec they can even gank people and so they wanted to make sure that they weren't telling people like no you straight up can't do that the problem is if they were to actually uh, like do what they threatened and basically put an a forced safety measure on it, you would essentially have an avenue of EVE that is just completely blocked off. They can't participate in ganking whatsoever. So they didn't want to do that. But yeah, I mean, like, they have everything in place. Like, literally day one, if it's, like, just alphas coming out of the woodwork ganking people, they will pound that button so hard that it breaks something, probably. Well, it, it's complicated, too, because you've got to remember the psychology of this all, right? So... One of the, you, you've got to think about like, what is the first purely Eve experience that someone is going to have in Eve? And one of those experiences are, is being ganked, right? That's the first moment in which you're like, well, this is totally different than anything I've ever done before. Um, and so if they go, okay, well, I just got ganked. I want to do that. And your response is you can't. Now they feel the that that free-to-play doesn't, you know, you've now removed the good feeling of free-to-play. And so while it seems very trivial, it's one of those things that it's worth the risk to watch it break or to, that it might be, might be abused um, to allow people to be able to do it because of what it will do for legitimately new people just wanting to be part of the game and wanting to experience it and wanting to, to really find out what makes Eve Eve. You want to be like, oh, yeah, no. Totally, you can just jump in a ship and go and shoot a dude if you want. Well, yeah, and I thought actually the place where the um, alpha clones were going to be a problem was going to be all the stuff that um, that you, you need to spread out to do, and that the first one is surveillance to figure out who's going where and that sort of stuff. So I, I could see that becoming a problem that need to uh, needs to be kind of brought back. I also like. Um, their explanation, that is uh, CCP and CSM's explanation, that you can't create a kind of arms race about how to play the game, meaning everybody has to scale a certain way, uh, you know, have alt accounts working with your main account in order to, to be effective at the game. You can't create that arms race. You need to get away from that sort of thing. What's interesting is that's for free accounts, but not necessarily for paid accounts. So for paid accounts, that still exists, even though that's a value. If you're if you're paying it, they kind of let you pass that threshold. So you still can have five, six, seven miners. You just got to pay for them. Right. The notion would be that if you're having multiple characters, you should be doing something efficiently enough to be able to pay for at least well for for them. Um, you know, if you're if you're multiboxing mining, then you're actually making money, and hopefully that money will go towards the the plexing of the account. Well, that's a good the point. Thing, the thing that's troublesome about the idea of like the reasonable expectation of 
you know, having millions of, of alpha alts is like a good example is World of Warcraft. Um, in the uh, Wrath of the Lich King, they made it so that you could do uh, a dungeon four different ways. I'm not going to go into all the details, but because of the way that they did it, they gave you four different options on how to do the dungeon each week. But they made it so that you could do all four if you wanted. And the problem that happened was that meant that the most efficient way to get gear, to be good at the game, to, to, uh, to progress, the best way to be competitive is to run the dungeon four times a week, which means, of course, that people burn out on it at least four times as quickly. And so people burned out on the content super, super fast. And it was actually one of the points that really broke uh, World of Warcraft's kind of crownship of, of being the king of MMOs was, was a lot of players burned out during that time because the expectations were so high. So even though you don't have to, you don't have to raid all four at the same time, you felt like that was the correct thing to do. It's the same thing as dailies, right? Like, even though the dailies were a bonus on top of normal training, you felt as if you were being punished for not being able to do it. So if they made it so that it was reasonable to have five different players, and they made that so that was effective, then you would actually be stupid for not doing that, which would actually punish people who want to play the game in a, in a more kind of, here's my guy, I want to just play my guy. I don't want to have to deal with 60 people. I don't want to have to create 60 alts and put them in all different positions in order to do the right stuff. You know, it's important to allow the player to be restricted as a way to make sure that they don't feel ob obligated to do extra work. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of why they left it open for them to do kind of whatever it is they really want to do, including if they want to join and start ganking, they can. I mean, the same thing could be said about like ECM, because that's one of the things that was also a big controversy, and they changed that so that uh, they lowered it down to ECM 3, I think it is. But again, it's one of those things where there was a lot of argument should they just not be allowed to ECM? Well, you know, if you're a dedicated Kaldari pilot, because don't forget now when you sign up as an alpha, you only have your race's skills. So that you're going to tell me that if you are any other race, you have access to the electronic warfare. But if you're Kaldari, well, screw you. You don't get that because it's too powerful. It, it, you know, you feel cheated then if you're that race. So they're going to leave that in there. But it's things like that that obviously we'll be taking a look at. And one thing I'm just going to add kind of on the end of that, getting back to what we were talking with the um dual login you know they will be keeping an eye on that they have stated that circumventing the simultaneous login so that you can get to even with the you know no matter which way you want to do it is a breach of the eula and there is a lot of ways that they can detect this i mean they have the data they can see exactly when you have the same two characters logged in at the same time every single day always well, attacking the same person it is not hard to detect when someone is circumventing the alpha login it's kind of a spy yeah, master trick since, too to see um, well there's the launcher it, it'll be like i said it'll be harder to detect if you're using multiple devices obviously but then there's ips you know you're just at that point you're basically going through like black ops level you know spying or like cyber right. warfare just so that you can log in an extra alpha clone like well that's right that's what i think will happen there'll be diminishing returns because i think if you have all these scouts out there okay so that's um over effective 
for a while, but then this surveillance uh, station or structure is developed that does all that. You don't need to log in 15 characters to do that. Then that use case goes away because it's eclipsed by an easier way to do it that's within the game boundaries. And in a weird way, this could be a that. step in that direction. Yeah, and I mean, I, I am sure that if this starts to become a major issue, there are a lot of options that CCP could have in terms of how they would limit things. But I mean, for right now, it's kind of like, well, they're, they're going to see how it turns out. And if issues start to develop, they have the ability that they can alter things. So listen, if you're if you're thinking you're going to circumvent CCP and actually use a VPN to log in your alphas and that sort of thing, uh, there's other tricks, I'm sure. One of them is what spy masters do, is they look to see who logs in at the exact same time, and they look for parallels, and they look for patterns and stuff, which, you know, also gives you away. All right. Yeah, uh, and, and before you leave, I mean, I will say the CCP has a lot of data, <laughs> like just ridiculous amounts of data. You would not, you would be amazed at how much data they have. So if you think that, the, you know, oh, they'll never notice this, trust me, they have stuff that will notice stuff. Oh. Especially since they just made the change that makes it so that you can no longer launch it through the EXE. You you only go through the launcher now. Yep. So that, that means that you're hooked in on a level that you weren't before. Oh. Can they tell when people play without pants on? Yeah, I don't know about what? that yet. <laughs> you can't even tell what I'm wearing below the chest <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's move on to the, the the bigger subject that we want to get to. We're going to cover this a little bit more uh, later on in the show. We're also going to get back to CSM notes because CSM notes represent the future path, at least for the end of the year. Uh, even though the next you know rounding out the end of the year in January, February, the uh, they may have some things, but pretty much the year is going to be open. Um, so the CSM minutes are very important, at least to know through the end of the year what's going on and what direction the game is heading. Um, one of the things that's been flushed out uh, that we're all pretty excited about is the changes to, I guess, changes to the Roracle that had been promised for about two years. And they finally arrived. And, uh, you know, Solon, do you want to tell us what they look like or Ashtarothi, either of you guys? I'll let Ashtarothi go ahead and kind of go he's, over them. He's and great at summarizing. Ones. Yeah, he, he, he has definitely got a knack for that. Go ahead, man. Yeah, so we got a, a blog uh, a few days ago called The Mining Foreman Revolution, which was the promised next blog in the command burst cycle. So this really kind of digs into uh, what the foreman role is going to be. So the foreman role is basically what we would think of with like the Orca and the Rokul right now, where they're boosting and supporting a mining fleet. Um, you know, they've always had foreman links and foreman skills, but this is kind of being fleshed out into its own role in and of itself. So the, the principal value of foreman ships now is they have uh, they have command boosts, but they also they have not only mining command boosts, but they also have shield command boosts, which will be useful for uh, you know the defense of the itself. Uh, they have powerful tractor beams, so now it sounds like throughout the whole field, uh, they're going to be able to kind of pull in everybody's jet cans and everything. Which, by the way, if I say anything that doesn't make any sense, please miners chime in here. All of my most of my mining information second or third hand. Um, but uh, they will also get shield, uh, remote shield reps. So effectively, these mining foremans are going to be kind of custodians of their fleets, not only given, giving huge bonuses to their allies and scooping up and having huge uh, ore holds to, to help you know, collect all of this stuff, but now they can actually actively support in the defense of the fleet through the form of remote shield reps. 
Um, yeah, I was going to chime in. I mean, like, one way to think of them is that, like, you know, if you have a mining fleet and you've got a bunch of skiffs, you know, the DPS of those skiffs is something substantial. So you have to consider, like, what it'll take to actually, you know, survive being attacked by a bunch of skiffs. Now, though, if there is a bunch of skiffs in a Orca, even, it essentially becomes a force multiplier now because now you essentially have a small logistics wing that you're going to have to take on when you take on that fleet along with all the DPS of all that combined. So they are, it's a pretty substantial force multiplier to whatever it is that you have, which is kind of one of the goals that they had. Right. And then stacking on top of that is um, the fact that all of the new foreman ships are going to have really awesome mining drones. Um, with the most awesome mining drones being, of course, the Rourke Walls. Uh, the, the, the power level that they put was that if the Rourke Wall is in its industrial core mode, each of their drones is going to have the throughput of a normal Exumer. So, Boosted. Yeah, Boosted oh, Hulk. That's oh, the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, a Rourke Wall in industrial mode is actually a fleet of five people. The, the rope wall itself and each of his drones. And then other other guys can come along with it. And so that's actually really interesting because that means that a rope wall could be its own mining fleet, right? Like we were actually just talking about in, in Faction Warfare. It's like if we have an alt with a rope during our fleet times, we don't roam that far. A rope could just by himself chew through a belt or two or, you know, most of the... Uh, the the system's asteroids and and if anything goes wrong he can just hit his emergency and we'll be back in time now the question is is of course how big of a bait you know how big of a thing will will bite on it but you know it it really looks like they're wanting there to be a role there's there's huge uh boosts in both the industrial core the the buffs that they're going to be giving out but also these drones to make it so that the the throughput for those who wish to bring these things as active participants um those the people who are doing the uh the booting will feel like they're actually performing a role itself not just like oh yeah and we have this orca floating in in, in the belt it's an excellent point on on you know the booster uh participating but uh, the the first takeaway you really got to consider is the orca and the rourke wall for all this time have just been uh, either a pos queen or they've been uh, the high sec, kind of a high sec honey, the uh, uh, orca has been. And when you consider that that they can now mine at all, when you consider the sheer size of their ore holds and the fact they don't, they don't really have to go back and drop off for a long, long time if they're to mine by themselves, that that in and of itself is just a huge, huge benefit. And remember the, the Rorqual, uh, it, how much it can mine is really dependent on your range from the rocks. Remember, the base range of those excavator drones is only going to be 100 meters a second, while drone navigation will add to that, and rigs can add to that, uh, and you can uh, get a little more speed, but that you got to factor that in. Yeah, I do want to point one thing out before you talk about that, is that the speeds of the uh, mining fighters on, or whatever, the super mining drones, the speeds of those on Tranquility are not final at all. And, uh, you know, that's literally just a placeholder. So, I mean, you know, people are theory crafting and what they're going to do with the current stats that are just listed on Tranquility. But, I mean, that's not the final stats yet. I mean, they're going to fully release, uh, you know, stuff you can use. So I would not go by that. But, I mean, yeah, the thing is you have to just remember that, yeah, the distance is going to affect it. Because, like, people are sitting here saying, oh, my God, Oracles are going to break the entire mineral market. I mean, 
The thing about it, though, is you're going to have to actually still be somewhat active. You know, this is one of the reasons why, and, you know, a lot of people wonder, why is it the Oracle is not getting just super duper capital mining lasers? And, the, I mean, the big reason behind that is because it's like, you know, they do that, and all of a sudden you've just made the most AFK passive chip in the entire game. You'll park that thing into a asteroid belt, and you will just sit there and mine every rock without moving nonstop until, unless you get jumped or until the entire thing is gone. And that's not really what they want to do with the thing. They want you to actually interact occasionally, even if it is in its current state going to be pretty AFK you know, worthy because you can just set your stuff to mine a rock. And then once that rock's gone, you can move to another, but you're still going to have to give some input. And that's kind of one of the reasons why you know, I think lasers were not the best route to go for it. Because, yeah, I mean, like, every miner in the game, just, you know, I can see it right now, would just be just salivating at the idea of parking a Oracle and mining everything in the entire belt without even moving. All right, and I'm done for the day and just go could, home. Can you imagine, like, a doomsday-size blast going through an ore field and just... Like... I mean, yeah, it, it all sounds cool, and everyone's like, this would be so cool. And it's like, no, it'd be cool the first time. And then it would just be like, sweet, I'm going to go do this and then you know, go do my laundry now for the next half hour while I mine everything. Well, why wouldn't the drones be able to do that? Can't you just... Uh, drones the drones still can, and you know you can park yourself and you can assign them but i mean you're going to be taking a loss obviously if you don't move at all the longer and farther away they go oh i see because of the travel distance of the yeah. of the drones between the different belt it, uh, that's a fair point yeah exactly uh, but, so yeah. i mean like you can circumvent that a little bit by putting you know i i say this and people don't even consider it. it's like you, you know people are like do you know how much time it takes to warp a oracle off and then warp it back to the next roid i'm like you know guys there are capital prop mods and they do exist for a very good reason but people don't want to you know take that into consideration and dread pilots have have used them very effectively oh yeah i mean it's like, you know, you don't have to warp away. Like, if that rock's 30k away, you'd be amazed how close you can get there with one cycle of a capital micro-warp drive. Now, the, that would require you to go out of core, though. Um, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, but the core, again, like, you know, it's, you know, people talk about how it's like, I don't want to chew through a rock in two minutes, and then I'm stuck for another three. It's like, well, there's also, that's the reason they give you that ability to basically scan every rock in the entire ore field when you land, because that, don't forget the Oracle gets that massive ore scanning. That's bonus. right. Yeah. So, so you will so, literally land and scan everything when you land and say, all right, that's the rock I want. Well, Which is really smart. cool because that gives the foreman the ability to kind of, like literally it puts the foreman in the director role. You scan everything and then you can tell, you have to tell other people which ones are going to be the good ones to go for. Exactly. Well, if you park your Oracle next to a single rock and then go into industrial mode, you're, you're kind of an idiot. You want to find a cluster of them that you can reach effectively with uh, the range of your drones, etc. and park yourself there, go into industrial mode, do that yeah. batch and then move on to the next section. Yeah, and that's a good point, too, is you can do stuff like that. There, you know, it gives flexibility. Mining lasers it, from a capital size ship basically gives no flexibility into what you're going to do. You, you can do what you, everyone would do the same thing. Park 200K away so you have a little range or whatever the ranges of the lasers is that they were to make them and then just mine everything. And that's what well, everyone would do. The other problem is, is that you need those high slots for for uh your remote shield yeah your boosts and your shield reps yeah so. yeah i'm sorry i set us off on a speculation tour uh my bad but let's talk about what actually did happen the uh no this is we're talking about the actual yeah. mechanics of the thing um sorry, the okay. other thing to note is that the drones uh are not the drones that we have now these are not so the not drones you're looking for be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but they're also 
They're also adding in new ice drones. One of the big concerns was that, you know, a lot of the changes seem to be ignoring ice miners, but now we see that it looks like we're going to have capabilities of doing ice mining with drones Bam, as well. You are welcome, because I specifically listed that at the summit that they need to take a look at that. Awesome. Yeah, that was something that was brought up before because, you know, that's one of the things. Like, if you guys are going to make this the major ice or major, major mining ship in the game, you're just going to leave ice just completely sitting there, like, uh, except for all the peasants can mine the ice, but, you know, all the ores to the oracles. So it's like, you know, I was like, I don't know if you want to do that because, like, I'm, a lot of these guys, they want to mine ice too. And I talked to Fozzie about it and I was like, and, he, you know, he got back to me not long after and he was like, yeah, I think we can do that. And so, yes, we now okay. will have ice mining drones. How big are they going to be? Are these going to be like the 5N3 variety, or are these going to be the size of the excavators? Well, according to the dev blog, it is actually listed they will have faction T2 and the excavator size. They're going to have so, excavator size. Oh, Nice, nice. Yes. According to the dev blog, it says right there from day one, and I quote, from day one, all advanced ice harvester drones, T2 augmented, and excavator will require ice harvester drone specialization and therefore gain its benefits. Right. So there you go. So they're We're actually legally covered, by the way, for reading that instead yes, of <laughs> off exactly. the top of your head. Nice. Exactly. I wanted to double check on that because that, you know, the CSM, let me just pause for a second. We are getting just so much information in terms of stuff that we're reviewing that is going to be released to the public. So it's one of those things where I have to be very careful, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, that, that I was not supposed to say that you didn't hear anything. Uh, so that's why if you hear me refer directly to the dev blog, that's why, because I need to just double check, make sure what has been released. There's other other reasons for the drones. So one of the other cool things is, is that, uh, you know, w with these new uh, foremans relying on drones for their mining, they're going to have drone bays enough to also carry a flight of, of defense drones. So to put that in, we already knew that the Orca was going to be, or not the Orca, but the uh, the Roqua is going to be probably pretty cool. But the, specifically, they said that the Orca is going to have a 10% per level bonus and a 100% roll bonus to drone damage. So yep. uh, a, a Orca with medium drones would be basically close to like a Vexor Navy issue almost in like... Uh, to quote the dev block again, you would get roughly, uh, with all seals maxed out, 800 DPS out of an Orca. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's significant. Yeah. That That's enough to stop most, at least, minor threats without much of a sweat. By the way, uh, Wolf Glenn is uh, bringing up some interesting points there in chat if you want to look on screen there. So I'm uh, wondering if you can answer some of his questions as we go down the road here. Uh, he's saying that the Rook special drones will mine both ore and ice, uh, and how soon will the Rook mining drones get nerfed? So uh, the point is that it's not just the Rook drones. They're just, there's now going to be drones for mining ice, um, which is kind of cool. Um, now, obviously, it's going to be more effective with the Roke and the Oracle. I'm just going to correct you every time Oracle. you say it now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, you're right. It's There's like saying, saying Frisco. Yeah. So everybody types it shortened. And, you know, my dyslexia makes it so that I remember things how I see yep. them, so to yep, speak. Yep, yep, <laughs> So, But you're right. The Roke wall, uh, the Roke wall uh, will, will be sufficient or significantly better when it's in core mode. But uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see whether or not it's going to be a nerf. It's kind of funny because simultaneously people are saying, well, they they need to be nerfed. They're going to be too strong. And a lot of other people are saying, 
that no one's going to use uh, Roquels at all. And I, pre- and I predicted that. I literally looked at the when they presented us this. I was like, just so you know, when you release this, you will literally have people say, oh, my God, what is this? No one's going to use this. And holy crap, this is way too powerful. This is OP as crap. I, all at the same time. And I and like we also you're going to get literally people shouting both sides at the same time. And the reason why you get that is because the Roquel that we're getting is not designed for the people who currently are using rope walls, right? And we already knew this. I mean, that's basically the way it is. The people- I mean, yes and no, there's, yes, you're gonna get some people. I think the better way to put it is that it is not designed for what people use it for currently is the best yes. way to put it. That's a, that's a much better way of putting it. Thank you. I love, I love that because we, because we have been using them on grid for quite some time now uh, out our way. I was just gonna say that and gotta intervene a bit because the, the stereotype on how Roku is used is put it in a pause and leave it there forever and nobody touches it. There are, that's true for the Roku uh, that's boosting, because why put a free billion assets sieged up in a belt for three hours when you don't need to? But the Roku is not just the booster. It can do all the scanning, it can do the remote trapping, it can do all yada, yada, yada. It is still the best hauler, quote unquote, there is. So can you tell us how a Rorkel is like used? Does a does a fleet commander go out there in a Rorkel, Rorkel and um, point out what asteroids to hit next, or is it you know labeling them what in in order and stuff like that? Or how, what's a typical mining mission look like if there's multiple people in it? You're betting we're at explaining things than I am, so you go nuts. <laughs> okay, well we use the 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 Rorkel for. Uh... It mainly is to pull cans out of the belt. Uses a, as a hauler. The uh, our exhumers have scans on them. Uh, Air is just awesome at, at calling the right rock to hit next. And the beauty of Nullsec is when you kill the belt, you get another one five seconds later, so you don't run out of ore. But uh, targeting which one to hit next is important because we're hitting it with a fleet. You know, it could be if it. You know, if we're hitting it with a lot of miners all at once. And so we're going to spread out uh, where we go. And so uh, we've we've actually uh, we'll pull a work wall out. We we land well off grid. We warp in pre-aligned, and uh, we'll even trail a, a freighter behind it. So we're pulling out of the out of the belt. We're pulling a million million and a half cubes per swing, and then uh, then then repeating the process. Never never taking our miners off, uh, off grid and bringing the work wall in and out. Well, that's yeah. And That's I think we... one of the important things that they kind of wanted to do, and one of the things actually that I mentioned when I first took CSM, is that if these are going to be on grid, you have to give them something to do besides sit there and just boost everybody. And that's kind of what they actually took to heart. And like, yeah, you know, he's right. That well, it sounds like you know, they're hauling though right now. Like they're moving, they're tractoring in cans, and they're. Well, there are groups that do do that, but not. All groups do that. So not, there are, yeah, there are some not do that. Right. Yeah. That's that's not the norm uh, to do that because there's the whole risk involved. But with the work wall that we're getting, it's well suited to maintain in flight mode uh, and, and not siege it up. It's it is a it, it, it if what you're saying is true that those speeds are going to be more then what theory crafting I've done has been ultra conservative based on the slow speed. Increased speed means that a work wall will either uh, 
outpatient. Basically, it's going to mine between a skiff and a hulk without deploying. Just yeah, now I, I didn't say they're going to be faster. I just said, you know, just take to heart that the tranquility stuff is not finalized stuff. That's literally placeholder stuff. So just remember, you yeah. know, the mining amount they have stated, the speed on those things have not been finalized. They're still, you know, they still have not officially, you know, said this is what they are yet. Oh, let, me, let me interrupt. Uh, let me just interrupt because Zathos uh, Ren Raku has just subscribed to with Twitch Prime. And I want to say that. Oh, the, here comes. Yeah, here comes the pitch. Uh, yeah, a little uh, pitch here. And that is that you subscribe during the show that you're actually watching. That's the show that gets the credit for the subscription, and that helps that show. So if you're just subscribing to uh, the Matani.com, whatever, it helps whatever's on at that time. So if you guys have. Um, Amazon Prime, and you want to subscribe to TMC, I encourage you to do it during this show or during the next show, which is going to be actually 12 hours from now. We're doing a European show, uh, and I'll talk about that at the end of the show. But if you're going to subscribe um, just like Zathos did, we're very grateful for that, by the way, then do it during the show that you actually uh, are, want to support. All right, back to what you guys were talking about. So, so going back to the core, I, I just want to point out also that this core is not just a hey, I buff mining better anymore. This thing is going to uh, basically be a full triage mode plus 200% uh, command burst range, 30% mining form and burst range. So you're you you know you, you're now covering the... If you're doing shield boosts, you're now covering basically almost... Well, it's probably one of the longest range boosts in the game. Uh, it says in the blog that it's uh, tied for best shield booster in the entire game with the Kaldari and Mimimithar command ships. You gain the full ECM immunity, 80% uh, um, sensor dampener, 120% scan resolution increase. You become uh, no longer allowed to be repaired. Um and you you do not take like sensor boosts, but so it's basically the same as like a triage mode for like a fax. Um, and it does 140% local shield boost repair amount. So you're talking about a tank that is, as they put it, just underneath a fax level tank uh, with some of the best boosts in the game, five um, uh, exhumers for drones. And if anything goes wrong, can just kind of time out for five minutes. All yeah. true, but the thing that people like to forget with all of this, it's still the only capital that you will be sieging up for reasons in a belt. That's a giant bait target. So you wouldn't just take out a dread and siege it in an anomaly belt or whatever. Uh, that's not true. That yeah, that's not, not true There's people that are definitely ratting with dreads and siege. And those high-angle weapons kind of changed that a lot. Well, not just that, True. but I mean, I, I, if you want to talk about bait, you know, we anytime we're bashing a Poco or if we're going after an iHub, there is a question about whether or not we want to bring dreads. I guess, I guess your point is, is that they don't have built-in defense fleets, which is true. Point is that you argued the norm is not the same for Verocal, and I'm saying the norm is not that you take dreadnoughts to do ratting. You do that with smaller stuff because you want to be able to get out. Yeah, I mean, another thing that was that was kind of brought up that you have to also consider is that the benefits that the Oracle is giving while sieged are better than any command burst or any command ship is giving to their fleet at all. 
I have to. I'm not disagreeing with that. that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things that they want to point out is that, like, yeah, like you don't have to siege it. I mean, I everybody going everybody is going to want to. Um, I'm sorry, turn on the industrial core. I'm using the wrong term with siege, but everyone's going to want to. But you don't have to, and you're already going to be getting a, just a massive benefit just by having it there, even not in with the industrial core turned on. With the industrial core, you're basically giving boosts that are better than any boost that any com I mean I'm sure that if you could give that boost to dreadnoughts and combat characters in PvP could be like yeah we're going to take a dread and siege it for just the boost that the roar it'd be ridiculous yeah. but <laughs> so from what yeah. i've heard it's it's the equivalent of five hulks uh, when it's not using the industrial core and like seven or nine when it is something like that oh no the, no, no, no that's, that's not accurate high. yeah it, that's a little high it Okay. In flight mode, you, it will mine equivalent or maybe slightly better than an exhumer with no core, which is awesome. It's it's a rourke wall that can mine three hundred thousand cubes worth. You don't have to go back to the pos or to the station for a long time. So and that's still awesome. boost fleet and still and boost you, and you yeah and you're still boosting and uh, you can uh, provide reps and you can call rocks. I mean you can do all that in flight mode without using the core at all and then, and that's awesome and and someone did did really put uh, put it in perspective for me you're right the boost that you get out of this out of the tech 2 core uh specifically it's like it's like having whipped cream on top of the icing of your cake in terms of boost it's just uh it's an, a massive amount of boost and it's the risk versus reward thing i see the the i finally realized the equivalency i was i was just very miffed that you know that how come the Rorqual has to be the only ship, the only command ship in the game that has to self-point itself, lock itself in place to give boost? But when I saw the T2 core, then I started to realize why. I'm, I'm not so much on board with the T1, but the T2 core, I think I'm on board with that. Well, the other thing, yeah. too, is that what I, what I haven't seen anybody really talking about in the, the forum response to this or the comments is the fact that, especially out in Null when you have Solve, is you pair this with a, um, a system Sinojammer. And you've you've got a pretty safe platform. I mean, if you have any number of pilots around, uh, you, you essentially only have to really worry about um, potentially a blobs fleet, uh, roaming gangs and whatnot, because very few people are going to jump, you know, capital ships into the system next door and then gate in. I mean, they have to be pretty desperate for content to come into say like a dead end pocket that's sino jammed through a gate with capital ships to try to take you out. You can just get that capital. So when you're talking about you know a standard fleet or even a even a blobs fleet with the, the shield boost and the damage uh, application that the ships have, it's, it's pretty impressive. And I think it's, it, people are not going to be as, as baity or as ganky as they are thinking they're going to be. Not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, CCB is fully prepared, and I know I am, that, you know, when they made the skiff change and they changed skiffs and procures to actually have a, you know, substantial damage increase to drones, the amount of kill mails that came in after that happened, <laughs> when people thought that they could take on skiff fleets and, you know, come out and be like, oh, we're going to go gang some miners. And then here they are, and they're just like mining away. Oh, by the way, we're also going to kill everyone that you have while you're trying to attack us. They are fully prepared that when this happens, there are going to be plenty of people that underestimate what the capability is of the Oracle and like whelp entire fleets to this thing. Because it's, it's capabilities for PvP are definitely there. Yeah, so the the big key that going back a little bit, or actually talking to both Matterall's point, your point, is that there's another value to the core, which is that it increases your mining drone yield by 500%. So that's how you get those exhumer level, uh, you know, stuff. So even without the core engaged, it's still the most 
powerful mining drone ship in the game. Um, but with the core engaged, they increase five-fold, and that's when they become Exumer-level miners. Now, the other thing about the core, going back to that you know battle station in space, is that they also get 100% drone damage and hit points to their um, already 125 megabit um, uh, drone bandwidth, which means they effectively have 10 large drones. So it's kind of like two Dominixes with a fax tank. And 10 large drones worth of hit points per drone. So don't think you're going to be able to just shoot his drones off because they're they're going to take a beating. You know, think of like the uh, the uh, um, uh, the rattlesnake comes to mind. You know, when people try and shoot the drones from that thing, yeah, the the hit points alone that they have are pretty substantial. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask a question about the drones. I I wasn't clear on as I was reading the specs. I saw that the bandwidth was going to be increased to six thousand megabits. Uh, to accommodate the excavators, was that a misprint, or uh, and the question I have with that is, are we going to be able to put excavator drones out and combat drones at the same time? Well, you're only able to command five dr drones. It says it has 125 megabit uh, bandwidth. Yeah, so f uh, from what I understand, you're still going to be limited uh, by the same number of drones as everything else in the game. The now only the thing that was not limited was the carriers previous and the old carrier style, but that's irrelevant now. So to put that into perspective, that is a full flight of sentries, which are already fairly tanky with 100% bonuses on a ship with massive shield boosting or remote shield repping capabilities. So there really isn't a super good option for how to engage this thing. You could either uh, ignore it and try to go after its fleet but then you have to combat the fact that you basically have a fax on field. Uh, you could go after it, which means you're going, you're attacking into a uh, fax level tank, uh, and, or you could attack the drones, which are double hit points, also supported by a fax. <laughs> like it's just you, you, you're right. You have to be ready for it, and if you can do anything to secure the system, like a sino jammer, it's going to be a very risky take. Which is really what was needed, right? So, so yeah, yeah I mean, there's still yeah, going to be a risk. Yeah, if they didn't do something like that, I mean, the thing is, like, y you're right. I mean, people would not use that. And for some people still, there are, you know, neat, you know niche forms of gameplay that the, still this will not be able to, you know, fulfill. I mean, certain low-sec mining comes to mind in terms of what's probably going to have an issue. But, um you know, it's like for what it's needed to make people actually use this, I think they did an amazing job kind of bringing it, to, bringing it home with what they would have to do. Absolutely. I mean, here's, another, here's another more extreme scenario. So imagine you have uh, a, fl a flight of, of skiffs out for your exhumers, which have super tanks on them. You've got not only one Rorqual, but you have two Rorquals. Okay, so these things can, can obviously put out a massive amount of damage. They can basically spider tank each other. Then... No. Okay, yes. Okay, go ahead. With the remote shield reps. And then in the event that, that things go completely pear-shaped, one of the Rorks can go through into panic mode, which will protect all of the barges. And it can still apply remote reps to the remaining um, Rorkwool, which is still applying damage on the field. Furthermore, that second Rorkwool, if its drones start getting chewed up, it can grab some more out of the... I can refit off of the other Rorkwool and grab more drones and put more flights out. Can you do that with a? I'm honestly asking. Can you do that with while under um, weapons timer? Because I know you can't refit your modules. 
Yeah, you would not be able to, but I mean, like, you could sit there and tank long enough to let your weapons timer properly time out. Um, I mean, there are a couple things with the panic mode to remember that uh, it will only apply to industrial sh uh, industrial ships. So, like, you know, you will not be able to have combat drones and, like, oh, crap, and hit this, and then they're invulnerable. Um, I do not believe that you're really, if you're, you will have uh, electronic warfare still available, but, like, skiffs and whatnot are not going to be able to sit there and just kill people with their drones while they're in the panic mode right. at all. But... Um, it does not look like you can't it looks like you might be able to just leave your skiff behind and warp off because it says it prevents warp cloak jump dock and tethering but not leaving so that's a big question can you just abandon your ship on feet and go pick up combat ship and get as far as i've heard i've not seen anything preventing that and i don't see anything in the dev blog that says you can't either so i mean it looks like, you know, if you really want to, you probably could. I There's nothing saying you cannot eject from your ship and just leave that thing to die. All right, well, you're uh, not necessarily leaving it to die. You've got five minutes to come back and hold the field. That's I, true. That's true. I spent uh, the last uh, 10 minutes trying to look at my source on who told me it was uh, equivalent to five hulks. And then said, <laughs> and I didn't find anything. So I'm going to eat that badly. Um it, it's about one and a half, one point two to one and a half without the industrial core running, and then with a tech two industrial core running max skills, it's equivalent to five or slightly over five. That's but, I mean, five, I mean, which isn't bad. I mean, even if it's not locked down, I mean, who doesn't want to just make extra ore on the side, like while they've got another, you know, the rest of their fleet. So they can be doing that fly. while they're boosting their fleet, and those guys are making more. Uh, oh yeah, and those guys are still making more than anything else. So how do you game. guys feel about this, uh, you miners? The uh, well, one of the things I uh, well, first first and foremost, any mining benefit out of the work wall is is awesome. The one of the things I I, I saw on Sissy, and I know it's a I'm confident it's a placeholder, but it's a 50 km limit on boost ranges, so I don't really know what the final number is going to be without the core. Uh, what's our boost range going to be? Given null belts, uh, even if you sat on the warp end, you won't reach the edge of the belt. Some of those rocks are. 70 75 kilometers out uh, yeah and, can, and can, i want to point out a, bit, a little bit of that is is intentional because they don't all right um <laughs> like one of the things that ccp is trying to get away from is the alt that literally you just sit and just does nothing um you know i even brought up the one of the things and you can see this in the minute notes i even brought up that one of the problems just in general boost was the ranges because you know even for combat uh, logistics can rep out to like 80 kilometers or so, but the maximum range you're going to get out of any combat booster is like 57.5 or something like that. So the thing is, you'll never be able to actually sit with any group and boost everything at once, but that's a little bit intentional because they are trying to get away from the situation where you can literally just come in and just have your all bam, land, and just do, do everything and not have to move. Because keep in mind, they're trying to make this something that somebody can actually pilot. And I say pilot, you know, as a key point, they want you to actually do something. They do not want this to just be the alt that everybody has to just sit there and do nothing. Okay, I landed at belt, bam, hit F1 through F6, and I'm done. Well, hey, I, I love where this is going. 
you know, as kind of a side note, if we're talking about making Eve a more active, a more involved, more engaged game, I look forward to the day the cloaky camper goes away. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, Amen that's, to that. That's what, what I'm looking forward <laughs> to. So, okay, so I, I and so I guess if you pair the, the 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 movement with the fact that you are applying an effect, a burst effect that has a lasting effect. I guess you can move around and but plus I'm not that you know you keep talking about these miners. I must, you know, Aird and I must be the weirdos because we never sit still in the belt. We're constantly moving. The only thing that sits still was our booster, but we already know how we're gonna move that bad boy around. So Well, are you the weirdos or is it just a fable? Maybe that... you're revolutionaries, man. You no, guys are the ones revolutionaries. Well what's what's normal because we picked some high end uh miners and null sec that they you know they know how to do this stuff. Uh, is that what's normal or is the whole thing about parking it is that a fable or is that just what PvPers do? Well I will give give an example. I I managed to get on a uh on I'm not a PvP big time guy uh, like Arid is. Arid's really got a lot of experience, but I did get in on one kill. We uh, killed an orca and we went after uh, its two miners, a coveter and a hulk. And uh, you know what we saw there was that. They just went into the warp in, they, the orca just sat on the warp in and, and, uh, and, and, the, and his, so obviously it was one guy running the three ships. So uh, they were just sitting there and it was just a super easy kill. So I know that it happens. I just hadn't encountered it a lot. So I just assumed everybody moved around. Our norm is to move. Yeah. I think it's a function of, of what kind of PvP experience you have and how, how well you know the area you live in. If you're in a deep pocket where you very rarely have hostels, people are probably more prone to, to be willing to park it and kind of fire and forget. You know, if you're in an area where you have, you know, semi-regular visitors or run a higher risk of, of people coming in, you're probably going to stay aligned, you know, uh, to a warp out, you know, it, it's really a function of, you know, the area that you're, you're working in. Um, you know, when you're in high sec, you can pretty much just park it and forget it because, you know, there's very low chance that you're going to get ganked unless there's a pretty large fleet coming in, in which case, you know, you're going to see it in local and you can probably, you know, get out for most of it. So, um, it's, it's, it's a big difference. Given the orca specs, uh, miners are going to love being able to tank, you know, a small to moderate size cat fleet coming in uh, from code or whatever. They're going to love that. If, if, if they just learn to uh, use the new mechanics, so they're going to they're going to love it. Well, actually, let's talk about that. Because I think we've been talking about the Oracle this whole time. There's more information, right? Ash, are we moving? You want to move to uh, what's going on with the Orca? Because some big changes there. Well, well yeah, I was going to. I was going to chime in and lead straight into that because that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of people, uh, probably the most vocal group that I've heard of, obviously, are the people that are saying that, you know, well, what about me? I have a Oracle and I boost for my five guys in Corp or whatever in low sec. And, you know, anytime they change something, there's going to be a group that has, that probably has some niche form of gameplay that, like, you know, is very uncommon and represents a very small minority. And the problem is like, you know, they're trying to implement this new stuff and there's always gonna be something where it's like, okay, well that niche, you know, where you've got a low sec group that they sit in there and mine in a, you know, BFE system and they can't, they don't have the Intel sources. It's like, you know, well, yeah, you may not be able to have the Oracle, you know, in complete immunity anymore. But the good news is that you know, the other ones also are very viable and they are going to give you good boosts and they are going to do a lot for your fleet in terms of what can attack you as well. And that leads us into the Orca. So go ahead and take it. Yeah, so the Orca is also getting a lot of changes. Um, 
basically to be reconfigured in this kind of new paradigm. So traditionally, the Orca has been mostly uh, its highest amount of effectiveness is because of its hauling capabilities, I would say, and its refitting capabilities. Um, but on top of that, you're getting kind of all of the things that make the Rokwall also pretty good. So you're getting uh, the uh, you're getting 100% bonus to mining yield. Uh, to, sorry, drone mining yield. So it's going to get some mining capabilities of its of its own. It's also going to get that 25 or 25% reduction to ice harvesting cycle time. That's important because remember, ice generally only gets mined in units of one. So the way you increase ice harvesting is by actually reducing the cycle time. Uh, they're also getting a bonus to drone damage uh, with their um, medium flight of drones, which we mentioned before, which makes them very scary when it comes to damage potential. They're getting 400% remote shield boosting optimal range, so they're going to be able to protect their, their allies. And that goes back to the code thing, where a really good Orca pilot... And, and uh, sorry, this is actually another thing that was brought up in this note and was discovered during the, um, the boost changes, which is that there's a change in the way that boosts can be configured on a ship. One second. So um, the change is right now you can only fit on your ship as many command links as your as the ship allows for and then you can put command processors on in order to be able to fit more and then when you go you know when you undock you you just turn them on right but you cannot fit more than you can possibly run in the new world you can actually fit as many as you have slots for but you can only activate as many as you can run so what that means is is that you can actually have an extra shield booster on the side still run your full mining links and then if something comes down, you can just like cycle down one of them and wait because your cycle time is going to be less than a minute. I can't remember exactly what it becomes with boosts or with bonuses and stuff. Um, and then, you know, when, when things get weird, you can just hit your shield boost as a way of putting up your defenses. And then an orca could theoretically protect a pretty decent mining fleet, especially a mining fleet of something like skiffs from, uh, from an attack. Yeah, and I mean, I, another thing just to point out, uh, and this was something that was discussed this for a long time, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. had the bad end of the spectrum when it came to boosting because of the fact the command processors were always a mid-slot that you had to use. So if you wanted to boost more than three links, you basically could not run S.H.I.E.L.D. on your thing and tank effectively because all your mid-slots were taken up with essentially uh, these processing. These are now being shifted to the rig role, which is in that dev blog. You can see the command processor rig will actually, you can fit up to three of them, obviously, and each one will allow the ship to uh, basically operate an additional command burst. So potentially you could have an Orca if you wanted to, since they are increasing the highest slots to six, you could have it running all three command bursts and fit all rigs to command processor rigs and then have additional shield uh, rig, uh, bursts as well on there. So the takeaway yep. is that you can boost your guys while they're working, and you can also use shield and repair them. Uh, potentially, but obviously, obviously, your, uh, obviously your shield remote reps would take the same slots as your boost links as well. So if you put remote shield uh, reps in there, you're going to be losing slots for the links. The thing about this, um, so this is, and this is one of the things actually I proposed when I first joined CSM was, you know, give give them basically options as to what they want to do 
on this. And um, I don't know if this is a good time to bring it up. Uh, you can tell me that or all. <laughs> but you know, one of the things when I joined CSM was I gave a huge proposal just talking about how if all mining links are going to have to be on grid, um, you know, you're going to have to give them options, give things people can actually do give them things that can actually affect their fleet. Because the current setup for boosting, it's okay for combat because you can have multiple people boosting. But the thing is with the Orca and the Oracle and everything else, it was like, they don't do anything. I mean, they literally do nothing. So uh, in this proposal that I submitted, you know, I said, you know, give them the ability to have options. Well, do I want to boost my fleet with shield things? You know, even if it's not uh, as much as a PVP, at least it's something. Or do I want to have shield reps on it? Do I want to do some damage with my drones? And that's actually what they incorporated into the new coal mining setup. Awesome. Yeah, so Here, let me, hold on a second. I want to introduce a new guy that just came in. He's also a very experienced miner from Deep Space. Uh, and he is, actually, he was on the last show as well. Uh, Jay from... Uh, Fcon in as uh, Cypherx, so you might have seen him join the channel there. So he's going to be joining us for the conversation as we go. But uh, Ash, were you finished describing? Hi, hi, Cypherx. Well, I was going to say that, uh, like, let's talk about this practically, okay? An orca has six high slots, so and and the orca can use three command bursts without any command processors at all, which, by the way, is really good. Like, even the command ship now only has two. You have to. You have to have one of those rigs in order to be able to do a full set of three bursts, even on a command ship. So that's noteworthy in and of itself. So what the what the uh, what the orca is going to be bringing to the field is uh, increased ranges in mining lasers and survey scanners and ga gas harvesters. So all of the harvesters and the scanners. Then uh, the second boost is reduced cycle time and capacitor use of everything. So basically just makes everything run faster, up to 57% faster, which is just 50% more yield. And then also reduces the volatility of mining crystals by up to 57% as well. Um, I, I think the Orca gets the maximum boost side, uh, power. Maybe not. No, 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 they don't. So the Orca would get probably somewhere between 30 to 40% on those two categories, which is still pretty darn good. And then, so what happens is, is that if you're at all nervous, you tell your guys to kind of get in a little bit tighter with their asteroids and you cycle down your mining laser field enhancement booster. So that way you've got one boost that isn't running at the moment. And then you have a fourth slot, which is your shield command burst, which you have loaded with shield harmonizing, which will give about... 15%, 15 to 16, 15 to 18% uh, shield resistances to your entire fleet. So you cycle down uh, your your range of your lasers, you push up your, your resistances of all of your fleet, and that still gives you two 400% increased ranged uh, shield reppers to use against anybody who actually makes an attack. Uh, so that's actually the real life, like how it could potentially be used. Well, again, here's an important thing to remember too. There's two major changes here. One, they've changed the way the, 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 the boosts go so that they don't need to be on grid, but they've also changed the way the fleets work. So you don't have to be in a leadership position to pass the boost down. You just right. have to be in physical range. So again, because the ships have the ability now, the Orca, the Porpoise, the, the Rorqual can all mine. They're all effective miners. Run more than one of them. Put two miners in orcas, you run your boosts, you have your three boosts, you have your rig slots available for what you normally use, you have one guy doing the, sh the, the regular boost, and you have the other guy doing the shield boost. And then you have full fleet coverage, 
you have the ability to run your three boosts, your three bursts rather, on each of the orcas, as well as your remote shield reps. They're able to mine, so they're effective in the fleet. You're not losing your yield by putting them in an orca versus the barge, not significantly. And you have full burst coverage without gimping your orcas by by using all your rig slots for you know the command um, burst uh, augmentation. Well, that's yeah, a, and and then in that, combat you have two vexor navy worth of fight exactly. power. That's an interesting perspective. And, and, and my my question to you is is that bad? The, no, no, it's, it's fantastic. The, yeah. <laughs> all right, so, are no longer. He wants a pat on the back. Meal for someone to chew on. And, and 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 that's kind of one of the things is kind of you know looking at it it's like well what should the cape i mean you look at the price of an orca i mean like i forget what the lowest was it would it would it get below 500 like earlier it's like 450 like that. yeah yeah i mean and even that that's is 450 like, million by the way yeah that's 450 million and that's the cheapest they ever got so i mean one of the things it's like why have these things just been the giant white whale that everyone's just like loves to just punch and have literally no capability to do anything at all yeah. and that's not going to be the that's not going to be the case anymore i mean like just the hull for an orca is twice as much as a regular command ship well now you're going to be getting what your money is buying like yeah it's twice as much you're also getting a small logistics wing with your fleet now well, I like the idea that it's not you're not sacrificing the pilot just to do something that's unrelated to the task. Now, everybody's a miner, except you have, you know, miner ships with more excellent stuff attached to it. Do you guys remember, I'm talking about the older guys in here, like me, um, that uh, remember when the Hulk actually, was it the Hulk that came out or the Orca when the Orca was born? The Hulk probably, if I think I know where you're going. Uh, it's hard to hear you. No, I think it was when the you know, the Hulk or the, I don't know. I think it was, um, I forgot the expansion. It was right after the Imperium War. So it would have been, somebody helped me out with that in the audience. Um, but when that came out, like um, Tritanium prices went through the roof because everybody needed all that material to build these, uh, these new Orcas. Nobody. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that was... That was a that's true that that was a benefit there, but um, you're probably talking about when the Rourke wall came out in 2012. Yeah, you're talking about the Rourke. Yeah, no, nope. you're talking about the Rourke. No, no, I'm talking 2009, Quantum Rise. That have been the Orca then. The Orca, yeah. Okay, well, I was being nostalgic. Nobody else wants to go with me. All right, it's fine. <laughs> well, Wait, the Rourke so... wall came out in 2012. Was it ever good? Like, I thought. Well, it's, it's always been good. I mean, I mean, it depends on what you use yeah. it for, right? Okay. Well, I mean, battle rocks are good. Uh, well, um, the Oracle oh, used, we, the used to be go, used as logistics for putting up sovereignty towers a lot of times because it could jump to a system and it could carry a bunch of stuff and you could drop your tower and stuff like that. When it, when it originally had its, when it, when it originally had its ten year ten light year jump, it was uh, it was just the low it was the budget uh, carrier post. Don't forget that. There's only one other ship besides the Titan that can carry a clone vat, and that was the Rorqual. It actually had some function, and then uh, before you had compression and pauses, you had it in the Rorqual. So it, it had it had a lot of functionality. That That's horrible. true, but but none of its function, all of its functionality was utility. Like now, its functionality is active. It can mine. It can fight. It can heal. It can do before uh, before this. The Rorqual was something somewhat like a Titan in the fact that, yes, you can fight with the Titan, but for most people, most organizations, especially organizations maybe acquiring their first Titan, really all it is is unlocking the utility value, right, of, of yep. you know, in this case, jump bridges. Well, with Roke, 
it was or with rook walls it was their their functions especially in wormholes right building a rook wall in wormholes are a big deal because that's how you got mineral compression as you said over the years those things that made the rook wall unique has been kind of stripped away and moved to other things and so more and more people have always said well what are you going to do about this ship and ccp has always said that they wanted to do something about it but it it just never was in a place where they could do stuff so it always just kind of became the exception i remember when they came out with the uh the skins for the rogue wall that they gave away for something everybody's like oh yeah great this is going to get useful but now i believe that was the second decade they gave that because i have one yeah now it's going to be now it's going to be valuable i'm probably going to wait and sell mine so what, yeah I'd... go ahead Oh no no no! I had nothing. Go ahead. What's this? What's this? I hear about battle orcas. Uh, the possibility of those things happening. Battle the, orcas or the, battle oracles? Because I hear I hear both of those. I hear battle time. orcas uh, more than battle oracles. And this is the thing: when they build, when this is all the mining side of the game, it's the harvesting side of the game. It's got its own function in the overall game to produce enough materials that builders can use to build all the ships that are blowing up in combat. But one of the things that's worrisome is that these things that are meant for one purpose end up being used for combat because there's something that some kind of game design that slipped through the crack and they are too effective at combat. So I've heard about the well, battle. I think it breaks and, and, our projection, to be honest with you. I was I was gonna say I'll just I'll address that right now. I mean, the CCP has already told us that uh, if it looks like that's happening, they are fully prepared. They will cut, tone back possibly the DPS capability of it or something like that. You know, whatever it is, if, you know, they are fully aware of how powerful the Oracle is. And if it looks like, you know, this is going to be like, a, oh, my God, like, look at what everyone's doing now. They're fully prepared. They might tone back like something like its capability to apply damage or something like that. You know, if they were to tone something like that, that might t make a huge impact on what people use it for. But I mean, keep in mind, you know, people are talking about how like, oh, we're going to jump these things all over the place. It's like, you know, yeah, when it's in C or when it's got its uh, industrial core running, it's putting out a pretty substantial DPS, but it has to operate its core. And it also costs more just base from like what a carrier can do, and a carrier and a carrier can is far more versatile in terms of what it can do and where it yeah. can go. But I but I but I have a counterpoint to that, right? Go right ahead. You've got a well compared to like a Thanatos, right? You got somewhat anemic DPS, right? But you have double the, the double the range. You have a ninety percent reduction in jump fatigue, and when you have the core deployed. You essentially have fax level tank and reps. Correct. And and I will say again that if that starts to become the standard, I am sure CCP is completely ready. You know, it, yeah, CCP likes to keep it a couple things in their back pocket. I'm sure. And like, if it looks like, oh my god, look at this PL is literally just battle work walling everything in the universe. They will like be ready for it and be like, all right. Can yeah, I just but, say for well, the record that I hope that I am there on the day that PL or NC dot or someone drops a whole fleet of battle oracles that I mean, is going to be epic oh so, yeah so here's I mean, my and, and, and plus the thing is if they start doing that here's the thing you got to remember like because the dps really comes when it has its industrial core running i mean because its dps is okay when it's in free mode but I mean, the most the bonus you're getting is when it activates its core and yep. i can tell you right now every major alliance would just salivate like what they're locked down for five minutes get me a sign and we got 20 titans we're about to just yep. go nuke a bunch of oracles you, you so, guys are you guys seem to be overlooked Looking at the fact that that the the lion's share, if not uh, pretty much all their DPS is in drones, 
so a uh, beefy squad or beefy fleet of T3s running smart bombs. It's just going to shred the drones right off the right off the field. It, it's not hard to defang a quote battle Rorqual. I think that's kind of you know, that that seems to be a is it well except for the yeah. except for the Rorquals that are using sentries. Yeah, as I say, use sentries. You have a rack of smart bombs on there. They close to yeah. kill your sentries. So, again, so, again, though, anybody who starts doing that, if you have the uh, the uh, fighters on a carrier, I forget what they're called, the um, the specialized ones for taking out specifically other drones yeah. will just literally eat those But I yeah. thought those only worked on, on other fighters. I didn't think they actually applied damage no, to drones. I think they'll, yeah. they'll probably do all right to sentries. They, but they, here's, they here's my question. Have, the, the space superiority fighters absolutely do take out all the small drones too. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, Here's how I would phrase good. this question: Will people still use faxes? And I think that the answer, well, I don't know. So they're they're gonna they're gonna rep almost as good as a, of a fax, but still have these superior drones on the field. So it they do run the risk of um of kind of being like an alternative to the facts. And so you might actually see some facts pilots replace their faxes with rock walls. Um, I, mean, I mean, you could, but they're not going to rep effectively as, as effectively other capital ships. And they're but, also but, far more expensive. Right. But 90% of the effectiveness of the midline facts. So the question then becomes, will this be the new, um, uh, oh, what was that strategy from like two, three years ago where you used a bunch Wrecking of ball? carriers? Wrecking ball. Uh, slow cats? Slow cats, yes. Oh. Will this yeah. be the new slow cats? Because they've got double sentries. No. They've got this oh, because they can't rep each other. That's well, what it is. That's, well, the, that's the big problem. They, they, they can't could. rep they, each other. They, they could. They could. But no, they can't. I think they can't well, stasis each other, I thought. No, they can't. Hundred percent remote repair impedance when in core mode. Yeah. You cannot be repped externally. Correct. While in core Correct. Mode. But but the whole the whole point about the slow cat doctrine was immobility, right? You drop sentries, pew pew, abandon, move, drop sentries. You know, you right. fight the entire time. So <coughs> don't forget that a fax uh, has a huge bonus to to repair drones that the the Rorqual does not have. Okay, that's good. One of the things, uh, this came up in uh, chat, Eric asked if um, it was determined whether uh, Rorkle could use a Sino while in stasis. The last interview I saw, they said yes, but they're going to evaluate it. It evaluate it as it goes. Sullen is smiling, which means he knows the answer, but he probably can't say. <laughs> uh, uh, the answer to that is that it is... Uh, I want to know the answer to that as well. That's my answer to that. Okay. I guess is the best way I can put it because of the fact that yeah, it's not mentioned in the dev blog and it was discussed and uh, yeah, I I'm curious as well. I'm still talking about that and I'm sure you guys will know the final verdict on that the same time I do. So is it safe to assume there will be more information on uh, the Oracle before it actually comes out? Uh, I mean, like like I said, they have not finalized you know drone speeds uh, that. You know, the stuff on Tranquility is not finalized. That's just placeholder stuff. You know, it's like, I'm sure there might be little tidbits or something like that that might have. And that's well, one of the things that I want to know as well. Because a test server kind of informs things, right? Like things change after it hits a test server because they're seeing how things are reacting to other things. And Yeah, and, and CCP has stated multiple times before that dev blogs are not the end-all be-all of information. Those are development blogs, meaning stuff is being developed while it is in that blog. So, 
you know, you know, people link devlogs as like, well, it said back here, you know, two years ago. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's actually the reason why they've started creating the whole community support page. And that is actually the final verdict on stuff. Right. Okay. So I think that we'd be remiss moving on from this without talking about the little cousin, which hasn't exactly, existed yeah. up until this point. That's what I wanted to go to next. So this is the new ship, right? Right. The, the porpoise. porpoise. Which is uh, uh, effectively a tech to Noctis almost. Well, let's let's put that in perspective because the Rorkel is actually a type of whale, and the Orca is uh, a killer whale, I guess. And now you have the Porpoise. So these are all marine animals, mammals actually. Keeping with the oars, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Ash. Don't forget the bowhead too. That's also oar. Well, I was, I was going to say the other thing we we did. Oh, jeez, what a yeah, okay. Outer ring excavations makes a ship that cannot haul any ore at all. What was the point of that? <laughs> yeah, but it's big. Whatever. Hold on, we'll, co we'll come back to that. Let's <laughs> let's finish up with porpoise. Go ahead, Ash. Yeah. So the porpoise is going to be the newest command uh, or foreman ship. It is going to be battle cruiser size. It can fit two command bursts. Um, it will have the smallest bonus of the three, which I don't remember off the top of my head and i'm not pulled up to it right now but uh basically it's going to be a noctis like or, or a ship that looks like the noctis but is more or less kind of like the starter orca so it's going to have a 50 percent bonus to drone mining yield so it can bring its own drones it's got the 400 bonus uh 400 bonus to remote shield bo booster optimal range although because it's smaller it's probably going to be using smaller shield reppers so it's going to have a smaller range than the other ships um for their maximum range they've got um let's see they've got 100 percent bonus to tractor beam range so that, that way they can continue to help out with the fleet they've got a big ore bay just like the uh, their bigger brothers um and a 300 percent bonus to survey scanner range so basically um for anybody who is going to start mining with a team but wants to kind of step into this without the big train and the big cost of something like an even an orca the porpoise really is that kind of starter point for those people. It's about the same size. It's a little bit bigger than the mining ships that they're going to be buffing or boosting and supporting, um, but it isn't nearly as much risk or size on the field. The other thing that's really good with these porpoises is actually probably going to be for wormhole life because oh, yeah. A, they're disposable, um, and B, they're smaller. And those are kind of the two things that you really want and from a mining mining and, show. And, and I would like to point out, and so like, uh, I'm gonna go back to the proposal I originally had. And one of the things in my proposal was I, you know, I suggested because I, and I am allowed to say this because I can say things I submit, I cannot tell you what CCP's reaction is until they actually come out. One of the things I submitted in my original proposal was I said, hey, you know, you should think about giving a boosting ship to the lower players because even like people who want a PvP, and this is something everyone forgets about, but you know, technically you can take any battle cruiser and boost because you do get one high slot you can put a link in. And there's nothing for that for the miners. There's no entry level ship. It's like, oh, you want to boost? Congrats. You can drop half a bill and then you can boost. And if you don't want to do that, well, forget you, then you're not gonna be able to. So you know, CCP obviously looked into it and they, and I will not take full credit for it. They had considered it before and they, you know, so this was kind of a joint thing between them and my, you know, and obviously my idea, I proposed to them and they decided, you know, well, hey, 
we can take the Noctis and we can, you know, basically reskin it. And that's, you know, way better for their development department as well. They don't have to completely create a ship com out of scratch. And they have the Noctis then that is just reskinned that now is the booster. And on top of that, I like to point out because one of the things I suggested it be used for, the mass is capable on the porpoise that it can fit through frigate wormholes. So now what? all this, yes, you didn't catch that in a dev bomb probably. Wow. The porpoise actually has a reduced mass that it can fit into frig holes in wormholes. So now all of a sudden, all of those frig hole systems that you could only get in through mostly through frigate holes that have some of the best ice, the best ore, the best gas that you can mine in the game, you can finally bring a booster into. So you're talking about the uh, the shadow uh, or the shattered wormholes, I guess? The, yes, yeah. the shattered wormholes yeah. okay. that have frigate entrances. You can actually bring a porpoise in that's to boost fantastic. your fleet. So that's actually frightening because uh, the orca or the, the porpoise has uh, a bonus to drone damage and can carry a full flight of, a flight of medium drones, which means it can also field a full flight of light drones if it so wanted to. Um, and it has, so it has the damage capacity of a, of a combat cruiser. It says here, or it said here that the max DPS is 400 DPS on a platform that's entering into a system that only can be accessed by frigates. That's actually pretty, that's pretty scary. That's going to make the porpoise one of the scariest things on the, uh, in the well, system. Well, don't right? the fact that you can already get T3Ds into there and those are yeah, far more scary. True. Yeah, those that's are fair. far more scary okay, than that thing. Fair. Okay, uh, so, just real quick, let me just uh, say thank you very much to this Muffaga and uh, Arian Rod, uh, who both subscribed uh, to the TMC during this show. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, carry on, guys. So real quick, the one thing that has been touched on here, but I think is, is a, a, has been overlooked a little bit by CCP, and this ties also back into the alphas, is gas. So yes. one of the things here is that these ships don't provide any bonuses to the gas harvesters, which is a detriment to the, the wormholers. Because in a wormhole, yes, you do have ore anomalies, but they're not consistent. They're not like the, the normal anomalies in, in, in K-Space. So the primary form of, of quote-unquote mining in a wormhole is typically going to be gas. So none of these ships provide any boost to gas. It's, the porpoise would be a prime ship to be able to provide that, and the alphas currently don't have the ability to run gas harvesters. I think uh, they will. That's all right. Hold up. So I'm going to just address everything you just mentioned really quick. Because <laughs> so first off, there are boosts that apply to gas harvesters. Mining laser optimization, according to the dev blog, reduces cycle time, capacitor use of mining laser, strip miners, ice harvesters, and gas harvesters. So I you will get miss that. Okay, so, and that actually exists in-game already, So, and that does bonus the cycle time for the gas harvesters, which is really the only thing that matters. Um, the mining laser field enhancement increases the range of gas harvesters, but I mean, I honestly, I've done a lot of gas harvesting myself. I don't see that really being nearly as useful. So what Can you like define the takeaway from that? Uh, basically, the bonus that most gas harvesters and wormholes are going to be looking for on the porpoise will be the laser optimization that will reduce the cycle it takes. Because with gas harvesters, you know, it's, you're getting a fixed amount per cycle. Just the same like thing ice. as ice. Yes, yeah. same thing as ice. So basically, you're reducing the cycle time, increasing your yield per minute. Um, other thing, what was the second part you had? I remember you were asking. Oh, the alphas, uh, they did decide, because uh, we discussed this a little bit, and one of the things is, like, should we allow alphas to gas harvest? And they changed their mind, which is now in the clone states on the most recent devlog that came out today, that alpha clones will be able to train gas harvesting to two. Okay, right. so 
A, two things there. So I'm clearly showing my age because I, I haven't lived in a wormhole full time for two years. So I'm a little out of touch it's with okay, the gas man. harvesting myself. And the I had missed that about the alphas in the um, uh, clone states. I was uh, I had just recently gone through all the forum posts there, and I thought in there that people were saying that it hadn't been spelled out. So I, I must have missed that in the that uh, when I read it today. So we've been talking about a lot of relative terms. I'm just going to quickly kind of put into perspective the the um, the progression that we have between these different ships. Because at the bottom of each ship, they have kind of an overall summary of its effectiveness. So the porpoise will cost roughly 50 to 60 million isk. Mine roughly uh, just under 1,000 M3 per minute, um, which I don't even know if that's good. And it's roughly, <laughs> a, uh, it's roughly a barge. Okay, T1 so barge. T1 barge, and then uh, we'll do about 400 DPS. Yep. Whereas the Orca will cost roughly 700 million isk, so about uh, maybe about a billion fit, uh, have a max yield of 1,400, so... It works about, out to about 1.2 of a... Uh, right, about 40% better than, than uh, the porpoise, and we'll do 800 DPS, We'll do so is about twice as much DPS. Um, whereas the rock wall, <laughs> this is where things get kind of crazy. Uh, the cost is going to be about 2.3 billion isk. Uh, the maximum yield without the industrial core is 3,000 meters cubed, so three times the amount of the porpoise. And then with the max, uh, with the industrial core running, that of course is multiplied by roughly five times to 18,400 meters cubed per minute plus drone travel time. Um, so that's a big number. And then its maximum d uh, DPS without a core is about 1,000 DPS, which is a very respectable, um, even battleship level damage. And with its DPS, or with its core, it does 2,000 DPS, which is not insignificant. The, the max it, theoretical output on the Rourke is eight times an exhumer. Um, realistically, it'll be about five to six times. Yeah, they really ought to put some fine print in there for disclaimers because, you know, the the 1,000 DPS off the Rorqual, that's obviously with max skills and the right rigs and the right mods, and that's going to come out of heavy drones. That's not going to come right. out of out of medium yeah. drones or anything like that, or sentries, it might come out of that. Yeah, and and same, same with the others. I mean, we're talking optimized with the biggest, baddest, most damage-dealing drones. Yeah, I, I was putting those up to, to give you a sense of scale and progression between them all. So, uh, again, with the Porpoise being 50 to 60 million ISK, that really means that the only reason to not have a porpoise is either if your little group of people have, are so new that you've never trained into it or you're all alphas and so you can't get boosted or uh yeah i mean really a porpoise is one of those ships where if you want to get into it and you're an omega clone it's there for you it's yeah. it's affordably Let priced me, uh... I, I fully expect that the porpoise is going to, obviously, I, I mean, obviously compared to the orca and the oracle, the porpoise is not going to see nearly the amount of usage. But for the specific situations, the porpoise is going to be invaluable for people. Because there is, I think that's the key thing about the porpoise is, yes, it's a nice introduction, but there's also going to be specific situations where the porpoise is going to be like, yeah, we want that over anything else. I like the fact that it's bigger than an exhumer, yet you can still pack it away in your orca or your rourke wall and take it with you. Can you actually carry it? Is it considered yeah. an industrial? It is an industrial. At least it should be. You should be able to fit it. 
Yeah, well, in the Orca, you can put anything you want. It's not restricted. The Roar Qual is the only one restricted. And while, you're, hey, and while you brought up the packaging thing, I wanted to just point out something that not many people noticed that I actually brought up during the summit, and they considered it, and I'm happy to see it in the dev blog, is that co uh, Coveters and Hulks are getting a reduction down to the Retriever and Mackinac size for fitting inside of ships. I just want to point out that I've been trying to sneak in that piece of information into the whole time. <laughs> right, Instead of have you swoop in and take it. Partial oh, credit. it's mine now. <laughs> I, I'm not letting you take credit. I actually was the one who brought that up at the summit and told them to take a look at that. Let and that was something that was reiterated to me from several people from the Oracle Roundtable. So I can't even take full credit for that. And yeah, to, that. Hold on a second. Let me throw it to Arid. I want to check his mic. Uh, how are you doing there? Arid, if you can speak, speak now. Otherwise, we assume your mic is not working. I see him keying up, but... Yeah, yeah I think he's working, working on it. Okay, sorry. Sorry to break the flow yep. of that. Good job on that. I think people are going to like that one. Well, I think yeah. the other thing that they that they added in that same part is that the, uh, the bowhead is also going to be tweaked quite a bit. So it's going to get 37% reduced mass, which is going to make it so that it can enter into wormholes a lot easier. And it's going to get 23% additional capacity in the ship maintenance bay. So it's going to be able to carry even more than it did before. Um, so pretty significant buff to the value of uh, bowheads. And really significant buff to people who bring the mining ships with them. So uh, which is uh, all of these ships, right? So Orcas and uh, Rokewalls in particular are really well known for kind of carrying the mining fleet with them. Yep. And this and is just going to be, and it's important that it's hulks, right? The hulks get the reduction because hulks are, are the, the biggest yield. Well, they're, they're massive, but they're also the biggest yield ships, right? So if you're going to be supported by a rope wall or an, even an orca, you're probably going to either want to skiff for tank, or if you don't have to worry about the tank, then you're going to want a Hulk because you don't need a Mackinac because you don't need the ore hole because you have the command or the, the foreman to support you. So the Hulk is lazy. the correct choice. So are you guys going to use this? Uh, um, well, what do you think about these changes uh, on the lower levels, the Orca and the Porpoise? It's got me looking really hard at the uh, Orca because it's, uh, I mean, that, that, I think that's, I think, uh, uh, Cypherx really hit the nail on the head. It's it almost mines equivalent to a a barge. So like no, it, it does. Uh, it actually does one point two times. I think. Uh, yeah, of, so a, of, of a proc maybe. No, of an exhumer of a of a of a Hulk Mackinac or skip. The the uh, okay. So I mean I mean you, you look at you basically got a uh, uh, a capital size miner that has a hundred thousand cubes i mean that would make it effective minor in and of itself probably with uh no boosts at all well, so the other thing that the look at of the porpoise and the orca is you know the porpoise is right there with a the barge and the uh, orca let's just say with that impairment's a little higher yeah I, i'm gonna have to look hard at that because at least you know the neat thing about the porpoise is i can tuck it inside the uh rourke wall and uh, i can i can jump out and with the 10 10 light year jump whoo that's that is sweet that's the price of admission right there. I, I love it. Well, I think I think one of the other things is is the size of the ore holds, right? The fact that they're going to be mining, I mean, gives you know a whole new definition to AFK mining, right? Well, with the uh, <laughs> yeah. vertical ability to compress, plus the massive, massive uh, ore hold that it's going to have, um, the amount you basically you could strip 
multiple belts without ever having to dock up. Well, yeah, and it's, it's worth noting and, that they're tripling the ore, the ore hold of the Orca to 150,000, yeah. and they're giving the ore hold that the Orca currently has, which is 50,000, to the Porpoise. Which, well, and the Orca is actually 150 plus up to 100 more with skill, full skills. Yeah, and that was something I wanted to address too, because that was something I recommended actually in my proposal as well. Uh, you know, it amazed me when I saw what they did in terms of how much stuff that I ever recommended that they actually took the light. And this is something for all of you naysayers as to what the CSM actually does. This right here is some of the stuff that it's like, no, like we, like I actually requested and submitted recommendations on some of the stuff with justification and they actually listened to it. I can't take credit for everything because um, obviously CCP had a big impact in it. But so for example, the ore hold on the Orca, um, they almost went exactly with what I recommended for it. And some people are like, well, how, why is it not bigger? Why, you know, why can't it have more? The thing about that is that ore hold, if you do the math, is a little bit under what a max tanked freighter would be. And that's important because the thing is you have to make sure when you modify stuff like that, you don't replace other ships' purposes. Because obviously if you make the Orca so that it has an ore hold of, you know, some people, I saw people like, why doesn't it have 400,000 or something ridiculous like that, given how big the ship is? You now create a situation where it's like, well, why would anyone haul ore with a hauler or a freighter at that point? Because I can just haul it in an Orca. And so that's why that's actually a perfect size for it. It's enough that it can haul enough more than what it could, and it hauls a lot, but it doesn't replace other ships in the game. What was interesting to me about the Orca was that the, the regular cargo hold is much bigger than the ore hold. Um, and if you have max skills, I think it goes up to 100K, right? Something like that. And uh, Yeah, with the, with the expanders on it and everything, yeah. Yeah, if you like put T2 expanders or whatever you can fit on there, maxed out, it gets over 100. So I always thought it was kind of funny, like all the stuff gets moved into, you know, whatever the, the, the cargo is out of the ore hole. The ore hole was just where you put it in uh, initially, and then it gets moved to a, a bigger place. So it makes right, sense. That was now. a function of the fleet map, was that the, the miners would drop in the fleet hangar, and then you drag it into your, your main storage to get it out of the way for more barges to drop more in. Yeah, and that was kind of the gameplay there, right? Like you you were doing stuff. It just was, you know, you were kind of moving things around while the things were mining around you. So, so Sullen, though, you, you were saying how the bulk of these changes were, were your input. You're a CSM, right? The Council for Stellar Management? Yes, I am on CSM. Do you represent anybody? I mean, I, I was under the impression that CSMs represented a group of people. So did any of those people put in any of those ideas or was just that was just pure to you? Uh, all right. So, I mean, I, I am a member of the Bastion, but I think that all CSM, especially uh, this year, will, you know, reiterate that our job is to represent everybody. And that was something that when I first took over, I looked at and said, this is kind of a big issue and I think they need to reevaluate. And I typed up a whole proposal of just reworking the entire mining, just everything from top to bottom. Um, obviously, now I will say my ideas to Oracle were, you know, grand scheme, you know, stuff that was so out of scope that I, you know, I didn't think they were going to do it. But, you know, it, it was like, I'm still happy with what they did do. Uh, I was happy with the stuff they did implement. I won't take full credit for the Oracle or the Porpoise because obviously, like, the thing they incorporated, they incorporated a lot of the things they had. But I was happy with the fact that a large portion of what I recommended in my proposal, that proposal did actually make it in the game. And 
like, and they even said when they looked at it, you know, this is actually excellent because I broke, and when I wrote this proposal, I broke down, here's what I would do, here is why it needs to be in the game, and this is why you should do it. And they actually took a lot of that to heart in terms of when they were designing this. Obviously, then some of the stuff then was stuff they put in that I didn't come up with, which is still awesome. Um, but that's the whole point of being on CSM is trying okay. to come up with ways you can fix situations There you like go, this. and now you know why you should so, run for CSM. So you've been mentioning all of the things that you've been helping out with this. Uh, are you running next year? Uh, is this, is this year? Every, everyone keeps asking me that. I mean, at this point in time, I see no reason why I shouldn't. I mean, I've been asked by a couple people if I am. I mean, we'll see come election time. But I, at this point, I don't have any reason why I wouldn't. Um, but uh, let me. You can hold that for next election cycle. Uh, yeah, let exactly. Ask, let me ask Arid. Uh, can you talk yet? Well, let's see. Does this work now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course now. I'm gonna give you the floor That's... if there's anything you want to talk about. <laughs> well, I've been trying to talk since we started discussing faxes. So, but uh, <laughs> nutshell the facts, triage, and all that. Let's start there. Uh, one thing that you guys didn't bring up is to get the same benefit out of a fax as you would get out of a vocal, quote unquote, you still have to spend like 200, 250 days specifically training towards vocal to get that bonus. So, so yes, you do get slow cat function out of a vocal that will probably get nerfed and everything in between, but you still have to take into account the 200, 250 days for a PVP pilot that has absolutely no training in this field. That, well, and, then, and that is true, because, I mean, like, you're basically going to have to dedicate someone to PvP that, you know, generally wouldn't be. Well, the, the yes. flip side of that, though, is that you're people who are maybe hardcore industrialists who maybe in the past weren't as prone to or maybe not as, as well trained into PvP, you potentially have them bring their work along and have them actually be able to be a force multiplier for you. True. I agree with that. But... Uh... Well, it's a, My good point point that, I don't... it's a good point. That nobody's going to switch, you know, their alliance from PvP-oriented training to to do uh, battle oracles just for that. You know, they're not going to spend all that time doing that. Well, I my mean, point is, this... my my point is, is that the uh, the rock wall has the bonus against jump fatigue. So, yes. in theory, if if this training is close enough or it, you know because you don't have to train necessarily mining you just have to literally train to be able to fit in the rope wall it, it, it'll be interesting to see if anybody decides that that jump fatigue because a lot of people hate jump fatigue right so the question now is how much do you hate it because <laughs> here is a very effective logistics ship that doesn't uh, suffer from jump fatigue in the same way let's give Aaron a little more time since he was out for the last half hour Nah, it's all fine. You guys covered most of it. I just wanted to add that in, but yes. Can I, uh, can I ask you, though, because I was asking somebody, and you guys are very qualified to answer this question. I don't understand the jet can, or not the jet can, but the, the mining with uh, tractor beams pulling in, you know, those, those cans that are out there that miners fill up with ore, and then they get tractor beamed into the Rorkel or, or um, to Rorkel. Uh, and get emptied. I don't understand how that works. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just stay close to the Oracle and just dump right into it directly? Because to do that, you need to actually siege your thing up in field. So it's basically a safety thing. That's why we keep it moving, oh. and that thing works like a, a hauler back and forth. The, the tractors are way more effective than linking up to the fleet hangar because uh, the tractors, okay, in, in Eric's case, he's got T2 tractors. 
So he's pulling those cans in at 3,600 meters a second. So the cans are flying as fast how, as an interceptor. How do you get and them back out? You don't get them back out. The, you jet the cans out of the exhumers. Yeah. So the, the zoomers, uh, uh, I, well, I jet all the time. Eric, what he does is transfers, but he, uh, he produces cans from the zoomers, and then we, we tractor them in from, from range, from 150, 200 kilometers. But well, don't, don't you run out of cans eventually and stuff? Aren't they? No, no, no. you can drop one every two minutes. You know, every two and a half minutes, you can drop another can. Yeah, oh, they're so they're jet them. cans. They're yeah, they're jet cans. Oh, okay. They're not freight containers. They're not yeah secure containers. They're normal bloody uh, jet containers. Well, that makes a lot more sense that they're jet cans. Yeah. Well, the other so, thing is, if you're doing serious multi-boxing, I mean, you're going to be moving through the belt pretty quickly, and <laughs> you kind of need to do that. Otherwise, you're repositioning every five seconds. Yeah. So the using the the tractor beams on a work wheel or an orca or even just even a regular hauler. Um, even, uh, uh, you know, like the, the Iteron variant for, for ore. Yeah, the Miasmos, thank you. Um, you know, it allows you to stay out of the ore belt so you don't get stuck on things. So let's keep a line so you can warp out quickly. And uh, typically what you'll do is, especially if you have a, a very large, like maybe alliance level fleet going to do <laughs> mining, uh, you go through, you'll do a jet can, label it, fill it so it's full at 27,000 at some odd M3, and then you mark it as full, and then the, the whoever's tractor beaming it will know to grab that and pull it to a central location. Another thing you'll frequently do is maybe you have a pull pull location. So maybe you might have one pilot that's doing uh, you know PVP coverage there in the in the fleet. If you've got a large number of pilots there who will tractor to that spot, and then the haulers can just warp in and out to that spot that's out of the belt to pick up the cans that are sitting there. So there's a lot of different ways you can do that. So the the jet can functionality gives you a lot more flexibility. Right. So, I was thinking though that's jet can. Imagine if they had like freighter sized cans that you could uh, deploy and use and the uh, we oh, can oh, you can but you can only load a couple of those, right? You can put how many of them down in the belt as you want, but somebody has to go empty them. Yeah, and then they have to be yeah, put you can't tractor in. them. They have to be put packed. You, you cannot tractor them. Oh, you can't even tractor them. Well, there goes that. Well, I was thinking No, if, they're anchored. If yeah. you could The most common if you could drag them, that they could be used as a weapon, like, uh, I forget what game that is, where you pick things up and you can smash ships with them and that sort of thing. Like, they have that ability oh, now. That would require blasphemy. blasphemy damage. <laughs> I was just going to say blasphemy. You were talking collision damage in EVE. Well, oh, or just nice bumping. It's, it's funny you talk about stuff like that, and, like, I'm sitting here thinking about some of the theory crafting we were talking about, and one of the things they brought up with the mining was... Uh, of uh Aerith brought up you know and you can see it in the in the uh notes if you actually look at it like well what about a uh, you know the what is it mercoxit is that the stuff that gives you the damage when you're trying to mine yeah, or not mercoxit. yeah and so it yeah, was like dude so if you're mining and people get attacked you could just use those as mobile bombs to just blow up all <laughs> around you and i was like i i am totally on board with this i think we should increase damage by 200 percent for those because it would just be hilarious that well, is you know, the ccp finally giving us our space mines back <laughs> it just was like i mean it would just be hilarious to see a fleet just dying to mercoxetroids just no, exploding and causing damage but using no, the environment as a weapon is an amazing like would be a whole next level of amazement for yeah a, i don't think they're going to do that it was just yeah. something that we thought would be just hilarious to start to put a lot more there'd have to be a lot more in the belt yeah exactly well, actually uh a lot of the stuff that they've been working on i mean uh, they're working towards deployable, more and more deployable AOE debuffs and, you know, like area of effects. So maybe there'll be ships that can vent something in the future yeah. that, that would affect the world. Aaron, but uh, 
Oh, go ahead, Eric. I just next? I wanted to ask someone specifically. Um, you can't. He's he stepped away from his computer. So let's go to Eric real quick. Oh, I got a I got a headset. It's fine. I could hear him. All right, go oh, ahead. I go forgot ahead. about the wireless thing. Go ahead, Ash. Yep. Yeah, well, I just I wanted to know, especially the Rokwal pilots and and uh, everything else. What about Rokwals that are going to be using their panic button uh, treacherously, right? Because if you lure people into uh, into the belt to come help you for mining, and then you hit the panic button, you've locked them into place involuntarily for five minutes. So if you're on the side of the aggressing fleet, you can pin them down for pretty a period sure, of time. Pretty sure you have to be in the same fleet. Yeah, right. Yeah, yes, right. But, but, that, but that happens right now where it's like, yeah, come do my mission running or come do my thing, you know, like, and, and you lull you know, uh, hapless victims to your to your fleet or your group. And then when you have enough, you just pop the pop the hammer and bring in the people and and you, and you know what? If you got a three bill ship that you're willing to, you know, say a, that you have gotten to that level, you can lock in a whole fleet. I think it'll be hilarious. Well, well no, you have friends that you, you bring in. <laughs> yeah. You've got five minutes to bring your friends in. Well, the yeah. thing that people keep forgetting when it comes to this, like, not all miners do have a fucking armada behind them, because we are still miners out doing our thing. We're not your... <laughs> I mean, for example, like, uh, let's take an example, like, on the big blocks. Let's say NC, for example. There's no, like, pure indie force in NC that gets covered by the main NC entity. So, let's say, if you're a miner, you're a miner. If you're PvP, you're a PvP. You're... That's the thing we don't have in this game. We don't have this cohesiency that everybody helps each other do this. Because one thing that somebody said here before as a joke, like, oh, blah, I have to talk to a miner. That's kind of the common conception of this game. Oh, miner, you're crap. You're stupid and all that. To, and to be honest, though, I don't, I don't really want support with the size of fleet that I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Same, but you get my point, though. Yeah, I get your uh, point. Because this game begs people to play together and you know it's very much isolating you know the model now is that you're a mercenary uh, alliance for combat you don't need anything else because you make all your money being a merc and then you have uh, uh, like uh, industrial alliances that don't have enough people to produce both an industrial alliance and a pvp wing to protect it and that's it's very segregating i think i apologize yes. i'm gonna have to take uh, five minutes to take care of something right now as i said i'm taking care of something right now all right, let's see it. What are you taking care of? Okay, I know it's going to come up. So this is something that was given to me and my girlfriend about uh, four days ago. So here, I'm going to show her on screen really quick. <laughs> and she is about four weeks old. And yeah, and she's very vocal right now. So I need to take a minute to go take care of this really quick. All right. Uh... So what do, we, what do we think Rourke's are going to, the changes that Rourke's going to do in multi-boxing? What does everybody think about that? Well, the, the, my main takeaway on the uh, rocks and all of this is that you actually made the miners now, which is a primary thing. I mean, basically, right now you use a Mackinac for extra M3. Right now you can just take a roll and you got a 300k versus a 35k. So, yeah, the answer is I, I'm going to multi-box with them. Uh, we'll just go with that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be probably rolling squads of them but um i guess what i'm saying is like if you get a serious multi-boxer let's say with 40 or 50 rorks right 
mean, if you actually look at the stats and, and the numbers on that, I mean, it's going to take a fleet of supers or 50 or 60 dreads to actually kill that fleet. And that's not, you know, taking into account the RNG from the, uh, the panic button, right? Yeah. Well, so I, mean, I think one thing that people really have to take a look at from, from a perspective of this is if you look back at where, where barges used to be, uh, and even when they first released the exhumers, and then when they re finally went through and did a, a remap and a restructuring of the barges and, and actually made them so they weren't couldn't get alphaed off the field by, by frigates and actually made them somewhat defensible, this is, a, a, I think, a change on, on order with that as far as the increased defense capabilities and uh, also not just defense capabilities as far as being able to resist damage, but also the, the, just the raw ability to apply damage. It's really going to be a game changer for people, and it's going to make the it's going to make the the miners and the industrial players, uh, you know, a, a lot less of the you know the hapless targets that they've been in the past. Um, well, I think it's also you know something if you look at like all the different aspects of the game, it's something may manifest that quite a bit and other folks. If you look at like let's take PVE for example, right? Um, you know, shooting Red Cross. Um, you, know, you got level level five, so you can do carriers. You've got you know carrier and super ratting. Um, and then kind of you have the wormhole escalations, right, where you're rolling dreads and all that. And of course, you got the incursion, but that's more subcap, right? I guess my, my point is, is like in PVE, you've got the, 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 the capital super, you know, pinnacle of, you know, a year's of training and you're, you know, getting 100 mil picks and all that kind of crap. And then with PVP, same thing, right? You've got the progressions of subcaps, carriers, dreads. Supers Titan, right? Well, with mining, the, you know, up until this point, the biggest ship we had is a cruiser-sized ship, right? The the barges are cruiser-sized ships, and there's no battle cruiser size, there's no battleship size, there's no capital sized mining ship. And I think that's where the where the Rourke is a you know kind of bringing mining into par with the rest of the different activities you can do in the right. It gives the and gives us a capital barge equivalency. Yeah, it gives you an end game, right? The end game is, you know, not a Hulk that you can get into perfectly skilled in six months. Um, you know, it's a Rourke that, you know, you sit in the melt and you're mining out, uh, you know, what, 250 mil an hour, 300 mil an hour with a Rourke. <laughs> Some so more. I wanted to explore something that, um, what was mining like and how has it changed over the years? Not that it's important to what's going on today, but I just want to get a flavor for some history uh, anytime I think about EVE, uh, all the way back to 2004 or whenever. Like, have you seen well, it change? Or? Oh, God, well, yes. to, oh, my God, there's nothing that changed more than mining. <laughs> yep. Okay, it was kind of facetious, but go ahead and tell us how and what it was like. Well, I mean, back in you know, the beta days, obviously, you know, before the barges, you had you know, you use your frigate, you use a cruiser, you put your mining lasers in your high slots and you use the mining drones. And then we got the Tech 1 barges, which was a massive improvement, but they were completely uh, defensive. You're skipping the battleship. Had... You're skipping the battleship. Well, yeah, okay. Right, uh, right. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah, battleships. I still remember mining in my sight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The banana. So, and then you had, you, you had your Tech 1 barges. Because you could get a and then we had with battleship. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, well, you know, you can go through and build a fairly decent like uh, if there was a time when the uh the um the rooks or the, uh yeah the rooks were uh a, f a fairly good kind of mining battleship <laughs> oh the rorkel yeah it was or not the rorkel no, the, the rook 
Yeah, the rogue. That's what I'm using. Yeah. yeah, the rogue. It was ridiculous. I remember you could do the math, and a rogue outmined an ET one mining barge at one point. It was silly. Oh, no, you at, actually, at one point, you actually had tank. Yeah. Well, at one point, it actually out uh, outstripped a coveter. And, and, yeah, but I think even before the Rourke, uh, the Roke was the um, Apocalypse was the battleship of choice, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And uh, I know because the, um, what was that mining guide? The Halada's mining guide came out uh, about 2009, I think. And uh, it, it said, it's, it gave you a progression from, a, you know, a new player to uh, all the way to like a mining director. It gave you a progression of ships to use, and some of the ships were actually uh, cruisers and battleships, so it give you options. But Axe, you were saying? Well, so yeah, so obviously you have your, your non-mining ships, and then you, we finally got dedicated mining ships with the Tech Wind barges, um, which were great. And uh, then they added in, obviously, the ability to do, uh, I think those were, uh, the, the ice was ice, bef ice was after the Tech Wind barges. So, yes. so Correct. You know, obviously, so that they, they went from improving our, our mining ships to giving us more things to mine and actually creating more uh, potential revenue for us. And then obviously Tech 2 uh, exhumers, and then making it so that, uh, you know, finally giving the, the, the uh, miners any form of survivability. <laughs> by, well, I think by another big thing was the uh, specialization of the, of the mining ships, right? Yes. I was where, just going to say. Yeah, where you had the, you know, the Mackinac, you're, you're mining out, you know, four blocks of ice every, every cycle instead of two and so on and so forth, right? right? So you can or specialize more. Well, the skip was for Macoxid, the Mackinac was for ice, and the Hulk was for just raw or just massive ore output. And the iter on fire was king, and we had oh, yes. no boost, and we had no freaking capitals hauling for us. We are so spoiled now, it's not even funny. Yeah. I, don't, you know, I you just need... remember when they dropped the venture, I was like, God, rookies have no idea what it's like now. Yep. Exactly. You've never flown a rookie ship that, well, actually, I take it back. They've flown the rookie ship with the civilian miner on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Maybe the other day. thing is, I think, I think the Rourke, Rourke is a huge needed change, not just, like we said, progression um, in the mining profession. But, you know, if you, I've actually been mapping out the costs, uh, you know, trying to at least, as far as the uh, SAV infrastructure upgrades are going to come out over the next two years and the tower replacements, all that kind of stuff. And uh, if you, Go ahead. I was going to say, if you look at it, right, um, you're looking at somewhere, I mean, if you fully upgrade every system with everything that they've said may or may not, you know, actually be released, assuming that it is all released and you do all the upgrades and you replace all your pauses with, you know, the Citadel, the quote-unquote Citadel replacements. I mean, they're all based off of Citadel in my opinion, but anyways, um, you're looking at, you know, anywhere from four to 800, you know, freaking billion <laughs> <laughs> um, potentially for a system over a two to three year time period, it, you know. So, I mean, you look at the the raw ore output that's coming out of NullSec, which they released those numbers, and it's just there's going to have to be a massive increase in in ore NPI output, but specifically ore. I, I was going to say one of the things that uh, was brought up actually in the chat, I wasn't sure if you were going to address it, Matt, or all, but the thing about Oracle changes in mineral prices. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, this is something that obviously, you know, has been, like, people just think the minerals are just going to completely uh, tank and, you know, everything's going to be cheap and everything. But, I mean, <laughs> there's one thing that every single person is forgetting, and that is, you know, the fact that now structures 
are slowly going to shift to this new system that everything is destructible. And even though they require, you know, PI, they also require minerals. Every single structure in the game now, when it gets destroyed, is going to require replacement. And that's kind of something that people kind of negate, you know, because they look at structures and they think, well, most of it is PI, but there is mineral requirements. And, you know, you look at the massive amount of citadels, and now we're going to get engineering arrays. And then after that, we're going to get drilling platforms. So the thing is, yes, you're going to be able to mine a lot, but they're also, if you think about it, increasing the total destruction in the game as well. Well, and that's, well, been that's, a, that's well, been an overall demand, too, though, is that they typically have matched the improvements with industry to a, a known increase in consumption. So with pastas eventually going away, as you said, in all the citadels and then the new types of citadels that are coming, yeah, I mean, the, they need to Im- improve the yields so that they can match the consumption that's going to be well, coming. There's an additional thing that I can't believe everybody's missing, which is the alpha clones. The alpha clones can only bring ventures, so they're not going to be bringing in... There's no way an alpha clone will be pulling their weight on minerals, right? We're not, so that means that we have a bunch of consumers and not a bunch of new providers. And in fact, a lot of people might be switching from uh, a mixture of consumption and production to being solely consumption um so as more as some people decide oh yeah i'm going to shutter that account or you know whatever so well i was going to bring that up but i i I actually think that all the new alphas that arrive you think it's going to be a million i think it's going to be 2000 but but all of them that arrive won't make up for even one you know fortizar the amount of well not all of them but just just to put the amount of structure into perspective go ahead I was going to say, put it in perspective, a, a, a small to mid-sized alliance to fully replace all the infrastructure that everyone's been talking about, you're looking at the equivalent of probably a couple dozen titans in minerals. And that's for a small, you know, 800-man alliance that holds maybe a constellation, right? Um, so, I mean, that's, that's going to be a five to ten times increase in mineral demand, right? Yeah, and I, like I said, the uh, of course, alphas will bring in. I, I do like that point. They're going to be consumers rather than be able to harvest anything. But yeah, the amount of structure destruction, if it goes as planned, is going to uh, put a huge tax on harvesting and resourcing that hasn't really been addressed until now. Now you can see why these changes are so big and so positive for mining. There's also another factor you may or may not consider, like, Right there, before it will, the mineral price is going to have any chance to go down, it's going to spike. And you look on Eve Central, there are a whopping 10 roar quals available to buy. The bottom end of the market went from 1.8 billion three days ago to 2.7 billion just for a bare haul. So, you know, there's, there's going to be this huge uptick in mineral right away. And uh, and then you, you hit on some good points. There's another thing is, is you know how how carrier proliferation has happened with the with the new capital changes well the the supers are still a highly sought after ship and i'm i've been seeing more and more of those cells and and as the miners become more prolific more of those are going to become available it's just going to be a this ongoing progression of in higher and higher demand well yeah and just to kind of reiterate that i mean like i I can't talk anything about it because everything is pretty much indeed about them. But don't forget, you have the engineering arrays coming out next. And, you know, obviously that's now going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, our replacement for uh, all production in game, everything. 
So when those land, all of a sudden now you're going to have a massive swell, like an industrial revolution now in terms of, oh my God, I can anchor one of these and build, you know, like everything depending on like which one it is and what you want to put into it. Yep. So it's like you're going to have a huge swell all of a sudden that people want to start building when the engineering arrays come out. And unfortunately, I wish I could give you more in it, but I can't. I can't say anything about it. But bring, you know what? Bring, bring back Spodzilla. Bring him back, please. Yeah, I know. I, 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 but the thing is, you know, when those hit, I think like there's a lot of people that have been holding off on most of their production for the last couple, you know, even months because they know that when these hit, it's going to change everything. Yeah. And you know. So you're going to see a massive demand at the same time as a massive increase that might balance out very well. Well, and from what I've heard, they have comparable, you know, building requirements to the Citadels, right? As far as minerals and PI. Uh, in terms of the engineering arrays, I don't know what all they've released, and uh, to be honest, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't well, want to skirt that line too close. But <laughs> no, I, I will say that they have not officially released any numbers. The only thing that they have said is that the industrial or the engineering complexes will be smaller physically than uh the citadels but they haven't really said anything about its materials that'll in take one of the in one of the interviews and i think it was e, e down under or yeah i think it was e down under um they talked briefly about it that is going to be somewhat comparable that's been always said and at this point i would like to open up the floor for people to rant about the fact that they're distributing information in such a broad terrible hard to follow kind of way <laughs> yes. i have blogs random forum posts Twitter, Reddit, YouTube interviews. Yeah. Yes. Listen, yeah. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up the show right now. We'll just have a, another, maybe another five more minutes. Um, so we're going over. And, um, and then after that. Can uh, I have real quick? Yeah, please. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, so I had a quick question for Solon, just because obviously he's been uh, being on the CSM. He's been involved with some of the conversations. One of the things I've seen a lot of people posting about on the forums that I haven't really seen a response from CCP on is, uh, there's a lot of concern over the increase, uh, basically changes the increased consumption of heavy water and not really utilizing more ozone. Uh, was that discussed at all in the CSM meetings? Uh, sorry, just reiterate that. Uh, rest restate what you said again. Let me let me just kind of. So there there's a concern amongst people that uh, obviously with the like the new industrial cores, there there's a massive increase in the amount of uh, ozone that'll be used uh, by the workers and um, to run their industrial cores. And since they're going to be on field. Typically, you're assuming people are going to be running more of these. The long and the short of it is, is the, the effect of these changes is that there's going to be a, a more demand put on heavy water. And uh, there's already kind of a surplus of ozone right now. So what people were wondering is, is that, A, is, is there any, has there, was there any conversation or discussion about maybe uh, changing some of these items or some of these structures to use ozone more to balance out the, um, the ratio of, of heavy water that's used versus ozone? Can I jump in real quick? I, I get you. Go ahead. Um, I, I think you actually got to uh, kind of swap. There's there's a massive surplus in heavy water versus ozone. Everybody has heavy water coming out their butts. <laughs> okay, sorry, I, I had it backwards. I just saw people talking about it a lot, and I didn't see any answers to it. So, uh, that actually is a very good point. I don't think uh, anyone's really addressed it. Um, you know, that's something I can I, I can definitely bring up with them next time we talk to them. I mean, I got it written down now. So, like, you know, just balancing out. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm sitting here thinking about ice. You know, you get the same products, basically, from the, uh, it's one material. So you're going to essentially be demanding one, and the other one is just going to be getting mined for nothing that no one uses. Right. Um, but that's definitely something we can address. I mean, obviously, there's there's so much. Eve is such a complex game. There's always going to be things like that that I don't. I personally don't know if anyone's addressing it. 
uh, I can bring it up and see if they are. And, you know, for all I know, maybe somebody right now is going, yeah, we're aware of it. We already have plans or something. I don't know. Um, and even if I did, I probably couldn't tell you. But I'll I'll definitely bring that up, though, in terms of like just balance to make sure that, you know, is someone looking into this? Well, speaking of market manipulations, it looks like Megasite had a little slight uh, run on the market before the uh, one or two days before the uh, Oracle changes came out where it's, it spiked and everybody was selling like crazy. Uh, so that's interesting. And uh, we're looking at it to see like, you know, did did uh, information leak out uh, before the changes actually hit a few days as somebody was running off all their Megasite? Because it looks very suspicious. And what was that for, for Megasite? Megasite, yeah. There's a graph. I'll you can look at uh, Eve Prosper, I think, covers that issue. So I did some quick Google notepaper math, and a single Fortizar is the same Tritanium as 150 Vexors. And that's a single Fortizar? It, it, it's pretty close to a super isn't it? That doesn't seem as bad as I thought. But I, I could be I could be totally wrong, but it like, sounds like you're, there's yeah. there's seven modules that are four million five hundred thousand titanium each. There are four modules that are three thousand or sorry three million six hundred thousand titanium each, and then there's the core piece, which is fifty four thousand, uh, sorry fifty four million titanium, and a single vexer un unresearched is six hundred twenty two thousand two hundred twenty two. I just did the math. The main core is eighty six vexers. The uh, four smaller components are 23 vexers, and the seven larger components are 50 vexers. Well, uh, you just killed my immersion because you can put vexers side by side and they won't equal a Fortizar in scale. But Oh, come on. Hey, come on. There's... Well, that's only tritanium. <laughs> it's not the other minerals. That's not anything else. That's, that is only uh, yeah. the tritanium consumption. Well, hey, and by the way, while we're here before you end it, I just yeah. want to give a shout out because he's been chatting in local and everyone should just say hi to the judge who is also CSM who's been chatting in the uh, Twitch stream the whole time right there under the judge at the, uh, the judge Eve. So I'm going to give yeah. a shout out to him because he's been following, keeping me in check, making sure I don't leak anything. So, he, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, we've noticed him in there and he's helpful inside the channel. If you guys want to join the conversation as it goes on and uh, before and after shows, a uh, good place to do that is inside our Discord. That's where a lot of these guys reside, and you can ask questions and start conversations in there. Uh, I'll put an invitation to that in the uh, channel in just a second and also be on the Talking In Stations uh, podcast information. Okay, last comments. Uh, I think there's some... Okay. Well, so, go ahead and finish your point, Cyphrex, and then we'll go on. Um, I, I think there's one thing that people really haven't really touch about all these changes right i mean obviously it's awesome that you know work is changing all these you know all this output but the the thing i don't think anybody's really touched right so the work addresses the you know uh, assumed drastic increase in in mineral uh, demand right but the one thing that hasn't been addressed right is the pi um, I mean, when Citadels first came out, right? Um, I think it was addressed today. They said that PI will be able to be uh, cultivated by um, alpha clones. Well, it's tricky. It, no, no, it's no, really I, I tricky. All right, let, let's let Cypher finish his point, or Cypher X. The, 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 the point is, right, is when Citadels first came out, people were trying to put together, you know, uh, keep, you know the materials for the keep stars and all that kind of crap. I mean, you watched Jita just get drained dry, right? 
And, you know, I mean, really, realistically, Citadel proliferation hasn't really hit, I don't think, full, full speed yet. And then you have all the other structures and require PI as well. Um, there, there's a finite amount of PI. I mean, beyond the fact that there's, you know, I mean, doing PI is clunky and horrible and people don't want to do it. There's actually a finite amount of PI. There's a finite amount of plasma planets, right? I mean, there it's a finite resource and there's no way to increase it, right? I mean, as it stands right now, you can kill a plasma planet. You can kill a storm planet, you know what I'm saying? So could we see in the future as all these new structures roll out, you know, wars actually, you know, break out over PI? Because, I mean, if you're looking at a five or ten, tenfold increase on the demand of PI, and you think that you know suddenly people are going to you know do ten times more PI? I, I don't think so, right? So I, I, mean, I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, like even I've noticed. So I I can remember before citadels and structures were really in the game, PI yeah. was just kind of like something like, all right, we own space. Yeah, people are going to do PI, whatever. And it's funny because now, like uh, you know, being a part of a Nolsic alliance that you know you know we're we're moving into our new home. It's it's amazing how things like that matter now. Like you know, Poco's used to be like whatever, <laughs> have it standardized. Yeah, whatever. Someone will collect like miners. Fine. Yeah, whatever. We don't really care. Just as long as it's taken care. Of. Now it's like you see, like when you take over a new region, you will have people literally racing in to put up their Pocos before anyone else, just so they can collect, even if it's a week of taxes before the whole thing gets nationalized or something. Be amazed. Like all of a sudden now, Pocos matter. Those taxes matter. Uh, I mean, it's like I, you know, you'll see you're seeing groups now even in high sec because uh, you know in high sec the pocos you know people rushed in they grabbed pocos when they first made it so that players could own them and it was like whatever. I mean, you'll you're still finding pocos in high sec today that are owned by you know little three person corps. They're not even alt corps. They're literally three person corps. They're like we want pogos, but it's funny because now. Now you're seeing people saying, no, we want those because now there's actually money being made in PI and it's actually a legitimate form of income. Well, there's actually groups that have a, P a POCO imprint. I mean, look at Marmites, right? I mean, they have like four or 500 POCOs that they, uh, that they were managing and defending. And I mean, they were raking in tons of this. Oh, yeah. But the, but the, the, the thing I'm really trying to get to, though, is, is when you looked at the, the numbers that were released, I can't remember which uh, CCP it was that releases those numbers, but if you actually crunch the numbers of the uh, PI output by region, import, export versus, you know, what goes into citadels, all that good stuff, right? And then you add in the industrial rays and the drilling platforms, and then, of course, all the solve upgrades that really haven't even been talked about much, you know, as far as the, the arrays and all that kind of crap. Um, you know, what's going to, what's going to happen? I mean, there's not that much PI, you know, there's not, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of, you know, extra capacity out there. I mean, hmm. you know, there's one, the neat uh, 14 plasma planets in a region or 10 plasma planets in a region, you know. I will say that, that low class wormholes are definitely going to get more value. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> All right. if, if they haven't already. So. All right, I love this well, conversation. I, I would love to see this go further, but we got to wrap up the show. It's been over two hours. Um, and look at all the people listening, man. Uh, I know. If if um, well, it's actually okay with me. I, I, have, to go to go. Longer, I have to go. I have to go. Yeah, we Sorry. have to break up the show at two hours know. so people are used to it. We're gonna continue this conversation uh, inside the uh, after the show is over, but um, I do want to say a couple of program notes. One is. 
that uh, there probably won't be a show next Friday. I'm out of town unless, unless I can find. Aaron, can you mute? Hot mic, man. Hot mic, man. See if I can mute him. Ah, okay. Um, and. So Friday, next Friday probably won't be a show because I won't be able to run it unless I can get somebody else to run it. And second, there is an additional show in 12 hours, or actually more like uh, 10 hours now, uh, that's going to be one UTC time for Europeans. Uh, so we'll have a Tiberius Stargazer with us, uh, and we'll have uh, Apophany, uh, and we'll have Rivre, um, all uh, talking about uh, Alliance Tournament and uh, some of the stuff that's come out uh, or will come out from CSM as well. So we're going to cover both those. It'll be a preview right before Alliance Tournament if you're up early and you want to check that out. Um, we'll welcome your viewership. Uh, and so now I'd like to thank uh, Axe and Arid and uh, Cypherx um, and JR uh, for joining us along with Sullen and uh, Ashtarothy. Thanks guys for showing up. I, yeah, and uh, I apologize for you. I got asked to show the kitten one more time. Yeah, but, let's yeah. have one more uh, view <laughs> viewing of the kitten that is adorable and he's taken care of. Uh, Ashtarothy, thanks for running us through all the stuff. We appreciate it. Oh. Who doesn't want to see a four-week-old? Let's see if we can hear him meow. Uh, yeah, if I, she might Squeeze actually. Him. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but she, no, she is definitely very vocal. Yeah, adorable. Uh, and uh, maybe next time we'll have uh, the judge on uh, along with Sullen and we'll cover some more CSM stuff. CSM stuff is very important because a lot of stuff seems to be coming out of there that tells us where the game is going and what kinds of things to prepare for as winter approaches. All right, that's it for the show. We will see you next time on Talking In Stations.